Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. It's a Monday. It, it, it is a beautiful Monday. Uh, not really weather-wise, but uh, beautiful because Bearcat Sports is alive and well. It's a, it's a Monday after a full week of spring practice in year one under Coach Scott Satterfield. It is also a Monday after uh, an absolutely thrilling opening game in the AAC tournament against Temple, followed by a not-so-thrilling stumble against Houston in the semifinals. But uh, last AAC tournament, last time we will say AAC, hopefully for forever. And uh, it's also a Monday where we get to get ready for a little bit more Bearcat basketball coming to you this week. It's also a Monday where I get to bring in my guys, my pals, three guys that I talk all thing Bearcat sports. They know everything about it, everything they need to. That's right. Without further ado, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, and Ryan Royer. Gentlemen, how are we? Ryan. I'm here. Chad's here. That's a good start. Ryan, you're muted. You aren't doing well. I'm <laughs> sorry about that. I'm good, man. You know, I love my Mondays. I uh, had a nice weekend. Just excited to talk some Bearcats, get, get into some spring ball action now. There we go. There we go. Aaron, how are we? Doing all right. Doing all right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, it seems like a lot of short fuses, short, short, uh, all right, okay, I'm good. Well, if you need to fix those things and they happen to your car, whether it be like a, like a what, what happens? A short oil change or a short, I don't know anything about cars, short, uh, short, you know, calibrators or something. Let it go, Brent. Just let it go. <laughs> Danco transmission in auto care. Hit up our boys over there at Danco Transmission. I don't care. It's Danco Joe. Uh, go visit them. Get an oil change. Get a car fixing. Uh, mention BBP, Bearcat Journal, and uh, get yourself a nice uh, little little cut down on the price there. Just talk to Danco Joe. He'll, uh, he'll hook you up. But, guys, it is the NIT is next for the Bearcats. NIT, you can you can take it one way, the other way, any way you want to. That's why there's this this Chris Arvin gentleman to my uh, my left or right on the screen. I don't know exactly what you're looking at, but Chris Arvin, member of the the producer, the the content writer of the basketball side of VT Scoop Scoop, the twenty four seven website for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Chris, how are we? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, we, we have to mention it. NIT. What for the just broad landscape right off the bat, what does NIT mean for Virginia Tech fans and Virginia Tech basketball team? Everything of that sort. Is this a, a continuous springboard into hopefully a good start to the next season? Is this a, a disappointment? What What's the overall pulse of the Virginia Tech side of things heading into the game? Yeah, I think there's mixed feelings. Uh, Virginia Tech definitely had a- aspirations to go into the NCAA tournament. Uh, started really strong. Hunter Couture is one of the the key players on the team. He got injured. Uh, things seemed to fall apart after that. And uh, really, Virginia Tech has dealt with injuries all year. And so uh, that kind of put a hamper onto things. Uh, the The roster is uncertain going into the next couple of years with, with a lot of seniors who might come back for their COVID year, might not. Uh, so I, I think not being in the NCAA tournament has been disappointing, but being in the NIT 
with so many young freshmen uh, who, who showed promising signs, fans are, are starting to get behind. So it was back-to-back trips to the NCAA tournament in 21 and 22. Uh, obviously, last season, you guys had the magical run of the ACC tournament, winning that one, and then uh, falling to Texas in the first round. This year, though, you started 11-1. and one. You were 10-1 and one non-conference. You beat North Carolina at home back in uh, early December. It was a hot start. Only loss was to uh, College of Charleston, who is a tournament team as well, is was the was the thought of that was kind of a, a springboard? Everything right there was looking as if all signs are pointing to continuing what the strong season end was last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the loss to, at College of Charleston was really a road game. It was in the uh, Charleston Classic uh, that they host, and so uh, supposed to be neutral site, but didn't work out that way. Um, yeah, beat North Carolina. They didn't have uh, Armando Baycott, but but still a really good win. Uh, and then Hunter Couture got injured during the Boston College game, which is a couple days later. And, uh, yeah, wheels started to come off. So I guess the big question from the Cincinnati standpoint in this game, two and nine on the road this year for Virginia Tech, this game will be at Cincinnati. So is that what, – what do you think went into – them struggling as much as they did on the road was it just the youth was it was it a multitude of things yeah it seems like across the board road games uh and basketball this year were harder than than in other years but uh youth was definitely part of it and uh, the only two wins came at the end of the year i think the last two road games of the year with uh notre dame and louisville who arguably uh along with north carolina round out the the four uh, teams that really had the were the most upset with their production this season. So those wins aren't that much to to take home about. Uh, Virginia Tech kept a lot of games close this year, but yeah, closing out games, uh, the Hokies really don't get to the line that much. And uh, when you're when you're playing on the road, that's pretty tough. Now you mentioned the the injury to Hunter Couture, uh, seven game losing streak. Is that kind of the, the exact reason why that losing streak happened. I see what he came back for the final two games, but those are both road games at Virginia and Clemson. Was was he kind of the, the main reason you would point to for that kind of a really, really rough stretch to the uh, beginning of AAC play, ACC play? Yeah, definitely. He was a huge part of that. And Hunter Couture only averages, uh, I think, like 11 points a game, somewhere around there. But his biggest asset isn't really in playmaking for the team, but uh, he's a he's a phenomenal three-point shooter. I think he's hitting 43% on the year. So even when he's not scoring, he's pulling the defense away and he's making big plays because of that. And so uh, just having him on the floor really opened things up for Virginia Tech. Let's go ahead and break down the roster. You've mentioned Couture already. Uh, a few other obviously high point per game players who, who currently would you point to as the, the star players, if you will, heading into the game on Wednesday night? Yeah, there's really a big four. Uh, Hunter Couture is obviously one of them. This, the next one uh, is, is going to be Grant Basile, uh right state transfer came in this year. Uh, really good year. Um, the honorable mention for the ACC, a big man that can stretch it out. Uh, Virginia Tech really likes to play inside and then work their way outside, even though they're a high three-point shooting team. And uh, Virginia Tech's turnaround really uh, happened when Basili started to step up. A lot of more action went through him, and 
He had back-to-back nights of 33 points at, at one point. Just a really good score. The the pick and pop with him, if, if your center is slow, as uh, absolutely lethal. Uh, Justin Mutz is a, the power forward, but the highest assist person on Virginia Tech. Like I said, they love to play through the posts. So uh, the ball is going to go to him in the high posts. He can dump it down to Basili. He can cut, he's so athletic. He can drive. Uh, he's he's very similar to Landers Nolly, except probably has a little bit more burst on him. Uh, not as much of an outside shooter, but but just uh, athleticism wise. Uh, and so I think that's going to be a really good matchup. Uh, and like I said, plays go through him. And the last one is Sean Padula, who's a point guard, but Virginia Tech doesn't really play through a point guard. Anybody can bring it up and kind of start the motion. Uh, but he was he shot over 50% last year, shooting 34%, I think, this year. Uh, really good three-point shooter. Kind of fell off in the middle there when Couture was out, lost his legs a little bit, but started getting his shooting back, and uh, he will light you up if you're not on him. So those, those are really the four to watch for the Hokies. Now you mentioned Landers, Nolly. We obviously have to dive into him. Uh, spent two seasons in Blacksburg. Kind of, kind of. What, what was the overall Landers Nolly experience, and and what does it mean to Virginia Tech overall playing against Landers again? Are there any players that are still have a connection to Landers that were on the team when he was there? Or is there any sort of uh, okay, we know about Landers, got to do this or that against him on Wednesday, or what are the emotions heading into the game on the Virginia Tech side for him? Yeah, Hunter Couture was there, and I think he really might have been the only player uh, other than Mike Young. He played for Mike Young for one season, so committed to Buzz Williams. Uh, had to redshirt that first year because of ACT scores and uh, then played one year for Mike Young, decided to stay. Uh, was Virginia Tech's leading scorer. Um, I, I don't know how much his, his game is developed, but he was a guy that just put up shots because Virginia Tech did not have that much talent around him, and uh, – he may have averaged like 18 shots a game. Like it was, it was wild. He was just launching it up, but um, obviously a great guy who can stretch the court. I'm sure Hunter Couture will, will talk to him. Mike Young will be glad to see him, but went on to Memphis and then obviously ended up at you guys. So uh, I think he's a great player. Uh, just didn't quite work out in Blacksburg. Now other connections, obviously, uh, with Babcock, your, your guys' current AD, uh, former AD at UC. You have uh, numerous other connections. Obviously, Wes Miller, I don't know if you were back there 10 years ago, but uh, went to Blacksburg, beat the Hokies when he was the head coach of UNCG. Uh, you've got two other players that have ACC ties. Um, you know, Odio Guam at Wake Forest playing against you guys and, and John Newman, uh, second, the, the third who, who won't be playing, but Will, uh, he also played against you guys at, at Clemson. Any any sort of connections that you feel that Virginia Tech has with, with Cincy or anything interesting that you had just, just in the early dive-in that you've had with the Bearcats? I'm sure Mike Young will want to will want to help out Brent Pry after you guys stole uh, Coach Glenn away yep. a couple weeks ago. But uh, outside of that, I, I don't think there's there's anything bigger than the, the Landers Nolly connection. Okay. What – so what got you into Virginia Tech? You long-time Hokie fan, big-time. Uh, what was your connection that you brought brought you to the Hokies? Yeah, I was, I was a basketball referee for a really long time. Both my parents went to Virginia Tech. I uh, got injured and uh, had to have knee surgery and missed a season. I told them I would fill in while uh, I was healing. 
uh, and cover the team because they didn't have anybody. Uh, health issues made me retire from officiating and stayed on. So been been uh, at VT Scoop for probably 11 years now. Kind of a, a crazy thing that I saw. Do you know the last time that these two teams played? I don't. Wow. Back in, back in 1991, Metro Conference quarterfinals, Bob Huggins' second year at Cincinnati. You guys did beat Cincinnati in that one, but that's the last time the, the two teams have played. Hokies hold the overall record, but, uh, yeah, this is the, it's the first time that they played in quite a while. Yeah, and I, I just pulled it up. Uh, like I said, I haven't done too much research. They played a lot. Yet. But I, uh, Prior I saw to that, that they played a 30, lot. 30 games total, yeah. Bearcats are six-point favorites. So, yeah. yeah, I think it should be a good game. Like I said, Virginia Tech hasn't done that great on the road. Their two wins aren't that impressive. I do think that they finally got healthy. Uh, Rodney Rice would be a fifth name that I would mention. He was a, a top 100 player who was injured the entire year, uh, had an ankle injury, had surgery, came back for one game, broke his hand in practice, and then has played like the last five games. But uh, really good playmaker, really good shooter, had 18 points in the blowout loss to NC State. But um, getting him back is is good. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Tech fans are just excited to see some of these young guys. What do you have a feel for the the energy level for the for this team making the NIT? I mean, you wonder like you know a team like Rutgers that thought they were getting into the tournament and then has to play in the NIT. You worry about like their mental state, but uh, I mean Virginia Tech was like Cincinnati; they knew they weren't going into the big dance. Do you have a read on? on how the guys are taking it and, and attacking the ability to have another game? Yeah, the, they seem pretty excited. Uh, right after they lost to NC State, they all talked about how they really wanted to play in the NIT and how they hoped they could host a game, but that no matter what, they were going to accept if they could get a bid. So I, I think they're pretty excited. Justin Mutz, this is going to be his last couple games, game, however long Virginia Tech goes. Uh, Hunter Couture might uh, – transfer at the end of the year might go pro same for grant basili um kind of talking about going pro so like i said the roster is really in flux i think these guys want to go out as strong as they can and then obviously so the game we we've already mentioned the road struggles but uh is was was there any any feeling of you know we are like you said we're going to take the nit invitation but was there any feeling that that the game was going to be in Blacksburg or were you kind of knowing that it was going to potentially be on the road based on seed line? I think the road was more likely, but uh, Virginia Tech did start preparations just in case they were going to host because you never really knew how many teams were going to back out. I think it ended up being three or four, but uh, yeah, they, they were, they were preparing just in case. Any, go ahead, Chad. I, I was just going to say, um, were you surprised it was Cincinnati? I mean, I know here because of it's they're supposed to cater to to regional matchups. People were looking at, at Youngstown State and looking at Toledo and possibly Dayton before they backed out. Um, were you as surprised as I was to see Cincinnati Virginia Tech because that one kind of uh, caught me off guard? I guess. Yeah, it didn't seem like a natural fit. Um, and I, I think there might be some other matchups that would have made more sense, but uh, I think that's where 
at least in my opinion, it seemed like the committee kind of went away because uh, a Rutgers Virginia Tech matchup probably makes more sense uh, in that standpoint. Uh, maybe even Clemson again, but I don't think they want to have kind of those those matchups first round. So, yeah, Cincinnati was definitely a surprise. Obviously, so you you mentioned all the players, all the all the matchups and whatnot. Any any questions that you have for the for the Cincinnati side of things? Because I know you said you haven't really dove in too deep yet, but uh, game on Wednesday. We, I mean, there's no better experts than than Ryan Royer and Chad Brendel and uh, Aaron Smith. They'll they'll give you all the answers you need. Yeah, just what uh, what style of play do you really think suits this team the best? They three point shooting team. They like to play through the post. What what where do you think the strength is, and does the coaching staff play to that all the time? Definitely more of a primarily jump shooting team. Uh, you, you have Dave DeJulius and Landers Nolly that shot it really well all year. Mike Adams Woods that can also get hot. Jeremiah Davenport is the ultimate. Uh, when he's hot, he could hit six on you or he could go one for eight. Um, they don't have a lot of dribble penetration. That they, they don't have a lot of the athleticism necessary to play downhill. Uh, but they can. I mean, they, they do a lot in pick and roll. David DeJulius was one of the, especially through the second half of the season, before he had his record snapped in the first game of the conference tournament, I think he had, was it 17, Brent? 16 or 17 straight games with at least five assists. Yeah, six, 16, un, unless did he do it against Temple? I don't, no, he didn't against, he had right. four against Temple, and then he had five 16. against, yeah, yeah, he had five against uh, Houston. So, um, you know, 17 of his last 18 games with five assists, a lot of that is pick and roll action. Uh, the bigs are very active downhill um on that that pick and roll so victor Lockin, odio guama kalua zekpe uh they do like to roll and stay engaged uh and get the ball at the rim for for easy buckets um defensively pretty much a man-to-man um it doesn't i mean they've had problems with dribble penetration it doesn't look like that is offensively a strength of virginia tech just from i haven't watched a ton uh, but from looking at the numbers, it looks like they're more of a pass team, like, you know, a, a more of a precision passing team than they are a, you know, have a guard, get to the paint, collapse the defense uh, style like that. So I think that kind of plays into Cincinnati's uh, strengths. I mean, if I look at the one thing that that stands out, it's that Virginia Tech's defense isn't uh, isn't always great. I guess it's a good way to put it. And the Cincinnati offense can put some points on the board if you're not able to disrupt what they're trying to do in terms of their their offensive flow. Yeah, that sounds really similar to Virginia Tech in a lot of ways. Not a lot of slashers, really good shooters. Virginia Tech is top 35 in assists per game, top 15 in, in fewest turnovers per game. So pretty good passing team. But, uh, yeah, like you said, slashers can be hard to come by especially for virginia tech as well and and defense has has been a struggle this year rebounding has been really bad see and that's that's kind of if you're a cincinnati fan that makes you feel good because when cincinnati's won the rebounding battle they're almost unbeatable i mean that they have they have been exceptionally well when they've been able to control the glass 
it's the teams, you know, Temple, the first time they lost to Temple, Temple just crushed them on the glass. Um, and, and that's been an issue when teams have been able to get after it and, you know, control the glass. When Cincinnati's been able to control the glass, they've been they've been really good. So as far as it goes with with obviously a bunch of shooters on the outside, is, is there any player in particular that you're hoping can can somewhat go off, whether it be you know in, in a close loss in his last game as a Hokie? Is there kind of a, a a fan favorite out there that that everyone would like to see have one last hurrah, whether it be on Wednesday or whether it be later in the in, in the tournament? I, I think Justin Mutz is the player that. Most everyone would say just wanting to go out well. He was really special in Virginia Tech's run. Uh, same could be said for Hunter Couture, but he's, he's been a little turnover prone. So some are going to be happy to see him go. But I, I think for the most part, it would be him. If you if you want a younger guy, it's definitely going to be Rodney Rice. Uh, just brought the spark. Fan base is already behind him. Scored 18, like I said, against NC State. Just seems to have a lot of potential. So one young player, Rodney Rice. What time you headed up to Cincinnati for the game? Can't make it. Yeah, I can't make it. <laughs> not exactly a regional trip. Yeah, not, not exactly and, a hop in the car. And uh, are are you in Blacksburg or? I'm not. I'm in Richmond. This okay. is a this is a side job for me. I'm, I actually I work at a church, and so hard to travel sometimes. But You're I'll be watching. <laughs> Nine o'clock on a Wednesday. Oh. Yeah, love that. So, so what do you think Mike Young's approach will be in the game? Will it be getting the younger players more time, or are they going to go out and do all they can to, to, to win? I mean, obviously there's different approaches to, uh, to the NIT and, and postseason overall, I guess, when you're not in the big tournament. Yeah, I think they're going to do all they can to win. Uh, like I said, with so many guys who could come back and play a massive part next year, but kind of leaving it open, I think Mike Young wants to prove – they can make a, a run against really good teams and, and talk about what next year could be if they come back. So I, I'm expecting them to go all out. Uh, real quick. I, I guess one last question that the ACC got, got a little bit of, I don't know if it's, it's lack of love or whether, you know, somewhat of a down year for the ACC overall, what, what's your outlook in the NCAA tournament for the ACC in, in general? Are you, thinking Duke continues to ride this high that they're on. I mean, you guys took down the Blue Devils earlier this season. Is is Miami going to put it together? Just kind of your your general overall ACC look. Give me some some good bets that you feel great about possibly. And I, I don't know. Let's roll with it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think last year the ACC proved that they're a little bit better than they get credit for. But, um, yeah, it was another rough year. Five teams in, five teams in last year. But – but uh, what three of them made the elite eight last year? We'll see if they do the same thing. Miami is built on guards and has just everybody on that on that floor can run. They may not be the most athletic, but they can all move. So they seem like a team that's built for for the tournament. I haven't looked at their second round matchup quite enough yet, but I feel pretty good about them. UVA lost their starting big man and then got better. So they yeah. just. Each year, it seems like Tony Bennett does something crazy. And, yeah, I think Duke's going to ride pretty high. NC State's way too up and down. Those guys could carry him to the Final Four. They could get bounced by 20 in the first round. I just – You know, weird stat the other day that in the past, like, 
20 years, there's only been two teams that were undefeated and in going into the tournament in March that won the championship. So it was like cross off Duke, cross off Marquette, cross off like Purdue, I think, hasn't lost in March. Like all the teams that have gone, I got essentially won their last three regular season conference games and then won their conference tournament have failed to win the championship. That one took me by surprise. That's an interesting stat. I've not heard that. That's very interesting. Um, Tell me about that NC State game real fast because, I mean, I watched it and that was – it was like NBA jam out there. Just all of them were on fire the entire game. The Wolfpack, that is. You guys a little bit too. You made a little mini run. But uh, what was it like just kind of – I mean, obviously it it was probably hard for you to take in. But, man, it's, it's wild seeing a team light it up like the Wolfpack did in that one. Yeah, some of that was pretty bad defense. Some of that, I mean, they were pulling up from like 32 feet. Like they they had no business shooting from where they were shooting, and they were just absolutely lacing it. So uh, it's just hard to it's hard to compete when when teams are doing that. If you go all the way out there, their big men are a little bit too mobile for Virginia Tech when they have to step up. Yeah, it was it was tough. But like you said, second half they they made a comeback, uh, and that was with the three like stars we'll call them of justin mutz grant basili and hunter couture all on the bench for the last like 10 minutes of the game uh and virginia tech made a run so we'll see we'll see so so a mix of bad defense and pulling up from deep so we just have to hit 10 32 footers and we'll uh win by 20 you think easy easy okay all right pretty simple pretty simple there Um, text coach that game plan yeah well Chad, Chad's on it. I think that's what he uh, what he went off to do real quick. Look, if you tell Jeremiah Davenport the key to the game is shooting 32-footers, he's going to be very excited about this game. <laughs> very excited about this game. Quick we'll trigger, see. to say the least. Sean Padula is in, the, in a similar boat. Doesn't quite pull up ass from deep, but, I mean, he just – he doesn't need much space, uh, arguably any space, and he just launches it up, so – yeah, we, we got one of those <laughs> for sure. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you hopping on. Don't want to keep you too long, but uh, appreciate the insight on Virginia Tech from somebody that's kind of boots on the ground and has been able to watch this team all year. I, I know it was just kind of that just wasn't a team that really was on Cincinnati's, you know, anybody in Cincinnati's radar. So when the when the name popped up, it was like, all right, better get to work. <laughs> Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks for, for sharing about the the Bearcats, and uh, hopefully we have a good game Wednesday night. Let us know how. Any... Go ahead. Yeah, let us know how uh, how we can reach out. We can get a get a hold of you, all the fans. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah what, Chris what are Arvin all your socials? Twenty four seven. Okay. What was that again? Sorry, I was talking. Chris Arvin underscore twenty four seven on Twitter. Or just pop on over to the 24-7 board. You guys are 24-7, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. pop on over through the multi-board if you got that VIP access. Send us a message. All right. Appreciate you, Chris. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, you guys have a good one. Thanks. There you go, Chris Arvin. All you need to know about Virginia Tech. I I feel better about things after. <laughs> just in terms of like stylistically – it doesn't yeah. sound like Virginia Tech is a team that does a lot of the things that give Cincinnati significant trouble. Right. Well, I, I mean, if you go over on their board, the the threat about the game is is 
doesn't really sing too much confidence heading in for the Hokies. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're a team that, that shoots a lot of threes rely a lot you know, on their offense. And I mean, they have a handful of guys that can knock it down. So, you know, you've got to get out. Cincinnati's been a good team at running opponents off the line. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It well, especially because their main shooters are, you know, six, one, six, three, that's, you know, Shabadula and, and Darius Maddox. So sorry, yeah. uh, Hunter Couture. So, uh, you know, just making sure that life's a little uncomfortable for them, but you know, mainly that 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 Grant Basile is is the player that kind of has really taken a big step for them, transferred in from uh, from Wright State. Aaron's alma mater. He's I think you still have your Basile jersey, don't you, Aaron from uh, from his Wright State days? Uh, no, Deshaun Wood was the uh, the big player when I was there. Mm. Everybody held up the we got Wood signs. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, but yeah, I mean it'll it'll be one of those games where kind of you know you you look at Virginia Tech and obviously you see ACC next to their name, but right now you look at Cincinnati and you see Big Twelve next to their name. Uh, I mean I know it's still AAC for the time being, but um, I I mean it's definitely a winnable game. I I think what Chris was saying is you know they had higher hopes heading into the year, but I mean they lost seven in a row. Uh, really you know struggled during the during a handful of those games. Some were some were really close, um, but I don't know. It'll be be interesting to see, especially because it'll be a home game, familiar for everyone. I think Landers will come in with a little added chip as well and uh, let it fly and see what happens. He hasn't been great in those two Memphis games with the added chip. Right, right. Yeah. He, he started well in that first one and then picked up two quick fouls. It was, it was uh, not good to see. Not good to see. But hopefully he bounces back. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's let's talk about what got the Bearcats to the NIT. It was a uh, a thrilling game against Temple on Friday. Uh, I tell you what, obviously it didn't start that way, and it was all doom and gloom in the first eight minutes, and then Cincinnati went went on to outscore Temple by what thirty points the rest of the way. Uh, Obviously, it's been some time removed, but a quick gloss over back on on the Temple game, if you will, Ryan. Did you take in the Temple game? Were you were you in the office? What was the uh, what was your mo during during that Friday afternoon matinee? Yeah, I was in the office, so I wasn't able to to catch it. Um, I didn't want to push my limits there, but <clears throat> I just uh, I saw the score after. I was like, damn, you must have played good. <laughs> So I was pleased that they kind of like put that stamp on Temple a little bit. So I thought it was going to trend very well over into the Houston game, but not necessarily. So I was a little heartbroken there. Chad Ryan, Chad and Aaron, do you think that I didn't get to catch the nightcap after the Temple game? Did did you feel like that was possibly the best game the team had all season? Um, yeah, yeah, pretty. It was right up there. Clear. If it wasn't the best, it was. Top three for sure, right? Right. Just seemed I like mean, the key, had... the, the key being, you know, the, they got it up to eighteen. Temple cut it down to twelve, and you kind of wondered, like, are, are they going to let Temple get back in it? You know, if Temple gets two more stops, make two more shots, that game's under ten, and all of a sudden the pressure was on, and instead they hit four threes in like ninety seconds. 
and it was 24. Like, that was the key for me. I talked myself into this game being a, a catalyst for them and what they could potentially do against Houston. It was it was certainly not that. Something about that second that that second game in a row, man. The, they were awful against Ohio State and Maui, and then they they just could not get it going at all against Houston. Six baskets in the first half, essentially. Call it what it is. Six baskets in the seventh. In the second, the seventh was the the layup from C.J. Anthony under a minute. But if you if you can't make more than six buckets and a half against the number one team in the country, you in trouble, son. And they were in trouble. Look, you needed Dave DeJulius and Landers Nolly to play well, and they and they didn't. Right. Well, it, and, well, and Dave didn't play well against Temple. No, he didn't. He didn't. Um, I mean, I don't. I want to do one last one last thing on Temple because they because they won by thirty, so they outscored them by forty one, or yeah. forty in the final. What quick math here? Aaron, you're the math major. Uh, thirty two like minutes. Thirty two minutes. Yeah, yeah thirty two so. minutes or so. So, uh, but I, before we gloss past this one, I gotta I gotta bring up Dan Skilling's junior. Uh, I mean, twenty points in twenty two minutes. It seems just like. Temple, you know, does something to light a fuse under him. Uh, six rebounds as well. Extremely active, knocking down, you know, numerous shots and, and being extremely active. What uh, is, is this kind of the, the the springboard for Dan to have a good NIT as well and then really mold that into a very, very strong offseason? I think Dan just needs to keep playing Temple and he right. would be an All-American. He would. <laughs> well, take out the first Temple game, but that didn't even exist. Yeah. That, was, that was back no, on that, January first. That was him getting his legs under him. It's fine, right? Right. But but second two Temple games, um, yeah. I, I mean, unbelievable. Chad, did do you feel like this is kind of what the staff was envisioning out of Dan at this at this point of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's what you hope. Like you hope that he continues to progress and get better, and that's that's what we saw. He he played comfortable. Um, I mean, he really, like, this is how you get yourself going. Coaches talk about it all the time. What happened at the beginning of that game? They got down 16-6, to and everything looked like the world was collapsing. Dan gets two offensive rebounds, puts them both back in, gets fouled on a three, makes all three free throws, and all of a sudden, in a four-minute stretch, he's got seven points, and the game is close. And now your team has, has got some confidence and is, is rolling a little bit. And they turned that rolling a little bit into an absolute avalanche. Oh, yeah. And and once that happens, man, it's 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 tough to slow it down. And you have to give Dan credit for that. Dan was the spark. Dan was the guy that said, look, let's go. Like, you know, we, we got to get this thing on track. We're not going to play like this today. Um, and, and he really was the spark that they needed when they were playing like crap. And it went from... 16 to 6 to what 16 13 mm -hmm. uh as he scored seven straight and from there it was all bearcats so yeah that's uh, the the talent is undeniable it's just the experience it's the you know the the consistent confidence that is growing with him um he's a matchup nightmare as a two as a three he's long he's athletic he he's uh, people might disagree with me on this and People have been disagreeing with me all week, whatever. Um, he's the best rebounder on the team. Yeah. 
I don't think that's up for debate. Like, I think he is legitimately the most naturally gifted rebounder on the team. Offense, defense, whatever it is. If he's in the area, he's going to go get the ball. I yeah. think he might and be a better offensive rebounder than a defensive rebounder. He is. He's definitely yeah. a better offensive rebounder. He's got such a great feel for reading the shot coming out of somebody's hands um, and beating the box out because he's so wiry and long. Like, it, I don't know. I can't t- count how many times this year, and it's a you know the limited amount of time because he hasn't played a ton, where his hand is just up over everybody else. Right. And you know what you never really see from him? He never gets it poked away. He never has his hand on the ball, and then somebody else has the rebound. It's very rare. Yeah, it, I mean, he's the best see ball, get ball player yeah. on, on the team. Um, in area, out of area. Like, he's just really fun. To, and, and you saw that in AAU, which, I mean, you know, coaches talk about this all the time. Scouts talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Rebounding is maybe the most – translatable skill in basketball right that that transcends levels if you can rebound at at you know like the EYBL if you're a really good rebounder at the high AAU level you're mm-hmm. going to go in college and be able to rebound you're going to be able to if you're lucky enough to go into the NBA and be able to rebound it just translates because it's it it, it doesn't have to do with putting that little orange thing in the hole it's just about understanding angles and positioning and effort and that ability to kind of work your body into position when the ball comes off the rim. Dan is Dan is great at it. Like I I he's a guard that can average seven rebounds a game. Oh, absolutely. And and I like how he parlayed, you know, not not only is his really active game with he parlayed it by being aggressive as well i mean his most shot yeah. attempts on the year um and, and he he constantly was was going for it and you know the, imagine the, if he had his three ball going he that right. could have been a 30 spot only, for dan yeah only one of five yeah i i mean the the saddest thing for me is though is that what happened on saturday is is now going to overshadow the the too small that dan kept doing after every made bucket that he had well, Even the one was, I mean, the duty, he did too small on a guy that was 6'9", 260 pounds. And, and by the way, <laughs> how about Jamil Reynolds? That that guy, like, it, he seems unstoppable. It's it's just, oh, I I don't like facing Jamil Reynolds. I don't know what it is about him. It just seems like a, a, a wide-mass dude. The, the Bearcats drew one charge on him. I feel like you can get a charge out of him every time he backs you down. It, it just, uh, he's just. Yeah, like, one charge is shoulder. crazy. Yeah. He ducks his shoulder and tries to go through your chest every time. Every time. I mean, it's just it's, that's nuts. But yeah, the two small that Dan did on him, and then and then D- Dan's lone three that he hit, no one was guarding him, and he still did the two small. And so I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, man. I mean, Dan is a funny dude like that. Like he just likes he he enjoys having fun with it. He doesn't take it too seriously, like some people do Twitter. Um, and and he'll put the you know, you're too small on on a ghost because yeah. he, to him, he thinks it's hilarious and everybody else gets a kick out of it because it's genuinely funny. It it's is. like raising the roof when you beat up Landon Fickle. <laughs> even, even Ryan, the, go, the goaded, the goaded celebration. Gosh, man. But the too small is kind of took it on pretty quick, man. 
The too like, small might be might be passing the pump it up. <laughs> I I like the too small. Um, yeah, me too. I'm look I'm looking to see what uh what trends with that in the in football if that can pick on really. I feel like that could that could latch on pretty quickly. Oh yeah, for sure. There's no doubt. Um, but yeah, I, I mean it, it was even Micah was hitting threes. You know the defense of in the front court was great. Land, uh, Victor Locken was was blocking a bunch of shots again. It, it just seemed like you know, like you said, Aaron, it, it was wow. This is a good feeling. This is mm-hmm. this is all signs are pointing towards facing Houston team. Who, let's be honest, they they hadn't been like world beaters over the past month nope. in, in conference play. Um, and I don't know if some of that has to do with with maybe they get bored with certain teams that they face. Maybe it's just a uh, you know, if, if we roll out and just go out there, we're going to beat this team no matter what type of a mentality. But, you know, uh, whatever it was, they, they came off a very bad performance against ECU and then were – Yeah, they, they bounced back pretty well. They were, they were unstoppable against Cincinnati, and then they went back to looking bad against Memphis in the championship. But let's go ahead and touch on that Saturday game. Um Yet another one where it, it felt like in the beginning, just, you know, Houston was the ultimate aggressor, kind of that that feeling of, you know, I I feel like this Cincinnati team, if they knock down their first few shots, that's when the momentum, that's when the confidence raises, that's where, when the defense steps up, and that's when everything leads to, you know, being in the game, especially against a, a tough opponent like Houston. That that didn't quite happen in the beginning, and you know you got in a hole against Temple, but Houston's a completely different animal when you get in a hole against them. Um, Ryan, Look, you're, go ahead. I, yeah. I'll just say this: when Houston played like shit against ECU, it was over. It was over because they weren't going to play like that two games in a row. Like they just weren't. Cincinnati tested them more than anybody, uh, just about anybody, this season in the game at Houston. So they were more than aware of Cincinnati's ability to play well and beat them. Uh, And as soon as they smelled blood in the water that Cincinnati's offense couldn't get on track, it was just sharks everywhere. Feeding frenzy. (laughs) It was, uh, it was rough. Ryan, did you, did you take in the game on, on, on Saturday? So I missed the first half of it, and I noticed they were down 15. I was like, uh, I don't even know if I want to turn this on. I kind of just forgot about it and didn't even catch the second half. I was being a bad fan. I don't blame you. Yeah, I didn't miss much. I was like, I was kind of waiting around to see, like, oh, if I kept checking it to see if they'd, like, get it to 10 or under. And then, like, I checked back again. It was at, like, 18. I was like, yeah, it's not going to. It's yeah, they made that one good. push at the in the first segment to start the second half. And I think I think that's the only segment they won. You know, segment meaning time in between media timeouts. I believe that's the only segment they won, unless they won the last one. I believe that's the only segment they won the entire day. Yeah. Uh ouch. Woof. <laughs> so the the main thing for me and Chad, you kind of also voice this sentiment is is the fact that you know not only did Marcus Sasser go down with an injury that you know held him out out of the rest of the game it was it was around what the seven minute mark when he went down with yeah. it, 
That was an eight-point game. Yeah, eight-point game. And then you have, you know, Roberts getting foul trouble. You have uh, Mark Mark getting foul trouble. Sharp. Sharp, Reggie Chaney. Uh, I mean, just every single thing that you would want if you're Cincinnati happens. And you still can't take advantage and get over the hump. I I mean, you should have gone on a run and had it within. You know, I thought – I thought the color guy made a, a really interesting point that while the fouls in one way benefit benefited Cincinnati, it also junked up the flow of the game so much that it could very also well likely have prevented them from finding that rhythm that we talked about. Like they just yeah, couldn't same. ever locate any pace, any flow. And, and a good deal of it was because – the whistle, it felt like blue in that middle portion. Like mm-hmm. every trip, there was a foul. And then, of course, Cincinnati screwed themselves by going to the free throw line and missing over and over and over because those free throws also could have started to build some momentum. If you if you go, you know, 13 of 15 from the line in that first half, instead of a 15-point game, it's a 7- or 8-point game. And you go into the locker room thinking, look, we we haven't played well. We only made six baskets, but Sasser is out, and we're in striking distance. And then, you know, you make that little run to start the second half, and next thing you know, that eight- or nine-point game is down to four or five. And now you've got some game momentum. But they had, like I said, they had that one stretch where it felt like they had legitimate game momentum to start the second half. And then they come out in the second segment – and I think it was back to 16 or 17 before the under 12. And it was just, it was, it was. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I mean, this, the craziest thing was that Cincinnati rose all the way up to 52nd in Ken Palm yeah. after the Temple win. Uh, How far did they fall after Houston? <laughs> Not far. Only only two slots. They're fifty four. Oh right wow! Now. Yeah. So so I the, the craziest part is you beat Houston in that game somehow some way, and you give Memphis a good shot. You're you're mid forties in the Ken Palm with a couple of good wins. I, I'm not saying that they would have made it as an at large. They probably would have entered the bubble convo. And and you're seeing that Cincinnati being ranked in the NIT is that. They were some of the teams seeded that that, yeah. that the tournament was looking at. So, I, I mean, it's just all things were stacked up. And, you know, you go back to what Wes said after the game is that, you know, we had we arguably had our best game in this one. Let's hope that we have another best game tomorrow in us. And, I I mean, they, they simply didn't. Um, you know, Matt Lanham brings up free throws. That was another thing, man. They – they they couldn't get anything going. It was it was one of those games. What the, the first half at the free throw line they missed eight, you know seven to fifteen. You make half of those, you're you're within you know ten points at half. It's just it seems as if everything. Was I just really said good. all that. I, I sorry, I was looking at the Matt Lanham thing, but yeah, I I don't know. It was it was tough because I you you really raise up your your excitement level and your your positivity and you are. Heading in there, feeling good, especially because of what Cincinnati did at Houston as well. Um, and then this happens, and 
now you look back and you say, wow, you know, 22 point loss against, against Houston in this game. You know, you look back at the 21 point loss. Sorry. You look back at last year, you know, you had another 20 plus loss to Houston and then two 13 point losses. So you're, you're, you're thinking, are, are we making the progress? I, I think the answer is yes. And they just had arguably one of their worst games that they've had on the season, but it's, it's tough to draw many positive conclusions after that game, other than let's hope that it was just a really bad performance. They just and, played poorly. Like yeah. it, it, there's nothing you can do when like, it's like third down, right? Royer, like third down. If, if you're consistently in third and five, third and six, four, five, six, you feel pretty good about yourself, but there are certainly going to be games where you go two for 13 and you had two drops and, you know, a running back missed a cutback lane that was wide open. Like, self-inflicted stuff that if Dave makes a couple shots, if Landers hits a, a three or one of those little pull-up, you know, 10-footers that he's really good at, and you hit a couple of those back-to-back, and now all of a sudden you go on a six, seven-point run or in a, in a football game, you go three for three on third down on a 85 yard drive. And now the offense goes back to the sidelines. Like, all right, like, all right, we got them where we want them. It never happened. Like it just, the ball never, the ball stayed at the top of the hill. There were like, you know, 13 guys pushing the ball and it would, it would move six inches, but it never went down the hill. And I like that sports. Sometimes it sucks. You give credit to Houston for for playing a good game, playing good defense, but Cincinnati just never created their own energy, and you have to do that. Ryan knows that. He's the energy guy. You have to create your own energy. The Cincinnati defense did it for five years under Luke Bickle. Things aren't going our way. Offense just turned it over. Our back's against the wall. We got to get eight stops at the goal line to win this championship. Come on. Let's go. (laughs) <laughs> you have to create that yourself. Tulsa. Yep. Uh, yeah, especially when you're playing a team like Houston, you need every bounce to go your way, and you got to make some bounces go your way too, and you didn't really see that. Cotton Bowl. Alec Pierce, it, no, nothing. And we got to talk about the Pierce family a little bit later. Uh-huh. Yeah. But Alec Pierce makes that catch in the end zone, and it's 7-7. Seven to seven. There's no telling oh, yeah. what changes in I that know, Bama game. Man. That There's big no fucker up there just knocking down every pass. Yeah. Making me but, feel like a middle schooler. <laughs> but it didn't happen. So you tip your cap to the other team. You look inward and say, we got to be better than we yep. were today. And you go from there. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the only thing you can do, uh, which is, I mean, it's just tough because, you know, I mean, Houston is the, the cream of the crop, but the opportunity was there to take advantage of uh, not the same Houston team that was the number one Houston team in the country, you know? Uh, so we'll see uh, because obviously they, they've really struggled against Memphis in the championship without Sasser and facing, I, I mean, a tiger scene that seems to be on fire right now. So uh, it was a, it was a tough, tough close to what seemed to be a very positive momentum build towards the, the uh, postseason, but NIT is next. Um, and the, the craziest thing that I saw was the uh, um, 
the, the previous winners of the past NIT tournaments. Uh, and, and you can kind of see it's, it's, it's a direct correlation to teams that are currently in the tournament, teams that seem to really have a, uh, a, a springboard type jump towards what could be a great, uh, you know, great next year. Is, is that kind of something that you guys think this team is, is really trying to hone in on is just build momentum towards the postseason, Or is this kind of a, let's, let's try and go out and, and win it for Dave one last, you know, one last time. Um, Cause obviously it seems like it's, it's going to be a, a chance to really kind of close out the year on a high note. But, you know, you look back, Landers Nolly won, won the MVP two years ago at the, at, yeah. at the NIT for Memphis. So kind of what, what would be your guys' goal for the NIT and, and for the close to this year? Swing games. I, I don't, I mean, I, you know, get, get as many dubs as you can. Um, we know this isn't a great road team. Uh, no matter what happens because of construction, uh, happening on campus, like this is going to be the only home game for Cincinnati. So do I think they're going to make some magical run? Uh, you got to win five games to win this tournament. Four of them would be away from home. Um, it hasn't, it hasn't been, let's just say it hasn't been a big winning streak team to date. Yeah. So win a game, see if you can win two. Uh, I do, like I, I said with Chris, I question Rutgers, like, Sometimes it takes a game or two to, to to shake that funk of like we should be playing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But we've seen teams get snubbed and then win the NIT. Uh, one of them not being Xavier last year because uh, they weren't close. <laughs> but <laughs> um, like it, it sets up pretty well for these first two games if you play well. I mean, I guess maybe win three, make it to Vegas. And, and see what happens in Vegas. Try to try to win your bracket, the top right bracket, the the prestigious, the always dubious top right bracket. Did you know that's what they named the brackets, Ryan? Top right, top left, bottom right, bottom left. That's the name of the NIT brackets. Not yeah. north, south, east, west. Not like legends of the game. Not anything. Not anything. Just literally, they announced them. Here is the top left bracket. Here's the bottom left bracket. Here's the top right bracket. Here's the bottom right bracket. And not only that, but they got half of it wrong. <laughs> they announced all the two seeds as three seeds. They announced all the three seeds as two, two seeds when they announced the bracket reveal last night. So I like I, in terms of organization and, uh, you know, the way that this thing is ran, I can't be more excited for the Bearcats to be in the NIT. It's a, it's a, it's a well-run first class event for sure. Uh, I got shade for everybody today. Come fucking get some. What anything for Steve Wojciechowski and uh, Tom Green. Woj. <laughs> yeah. Those, those two were thrilling on the, uh, on the reveal show. R Ryan, kind of your, Creepy if, if, you green. Were, if you were coach Royer heading out there, what, uh, what are you telling the boys? Let's, Let's, let's go out on a high note. Yeah, I want to see him like I think Chad was going with two. I'd love to see him string together string together string together three wins, pardon me. Uh just to show some consistency going into next year. I feel like they kept teasing us the whole back half of the year kind of with potential and everything they could do with certain guys stepping up and I kind of want to see Dave just kind of put a stamp 
on everything he's done for this university. So I just want some consistency, defense, rebounding. Let's get some better jump shooting. I mean, you hate seeing him lose to Houston shooting 22, what was it, like 20% oh, from Ryan, the field. Like jump shooting that was bad. It was shooting that was bad. Vic missed a <laughs> layup yeah. from yeah. one inch. One inch yeah. missed a layup. Man, yeah, just – just he put just the damn ball in the basket efficiently. I'd like to see. That's what no. That's what the funny thing is. That's what Vic tried to do, and he still missed. <laughs> he didn't I mean, dunk it. Like he literally tried to just put it above the top of the rim and drop it down, and he missed. That's what sat. That was the that was the epitome of Saturday. When that I, happened, I was like, "Yep." I mean yep, that that, that yep. or the the four on one fast break the four on one fast break where Mike got through it to an empty gray chair. Oh, right Dude. after a two on one fast break where they, where they did not yeah, the they rim. had three three something on one larger than one fast breaks didn't score on any of them. You could they seven free throws. You could they, tell they how the game's going when I just like stop tweeting. It just, like, <laughs> I'm just like sitting there, like I like I almost get to like the level of tears because I just like am like it's just it's hard. So right before halftime, they had a chance to cut it, even like they had a chance to cut it down, and that's when Houston got it to 15. And we're at we're in Kelly's hospital room. Uh, it's me, my dad, my stepmom, and Kelly. And I think like for the first time, I let out a you got to be fucking kidding me on something stupid that happened, like blown aside. I can't remember what exactly. Vic had it, and he didn't dish it out to a wide open yeah, mic. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. And my dad was like, you can't, like, gave me, like, the calm down. And I'm like, we just made it through that half, and I only said fuck once. Like, I should get, like, somebody should give me a medal, a crown. I should get $50. Like, like if you'd have bet the over under on how many times I said it in that half, it would have been well over one given how things played. So I thought I should have, I did make up for it. I bet Memphis money line plus two Oh five on Sunday. Nice. There so, you go. So a That's nice good. little 50 for one fifty. That Memphis team, man, they're, they're looking dangerous. They're, Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams are the best, you know, they should be in their fourth year in the NBA guys, the duo in yeah. college basketball. <laughs> they, they absolutely are. But you know what the thing about Memphis is, though? They will still be in the AAC next year, and they'll have to worry about playing the Charlottes and the Texas San Antonio. Oh, they're the, going back to Conference USA. They are going to dominate that conference. Oh, yeah, for ten years. Yeah, De- DeAndre Williams still has a year of eligibility, right? Two years. No, right. <laughs> Fake John Goble. Thank you, money for my years crown. Left. He's he's got a he's got a uh, injury red shirt from nineteen ninety five, and he's he's actually got a um he's got a red shirt year from the bubonic plague. They gave everybody a free year of uh free year of eligibility from the bubonic plague. And you know he hasn't he hasn't cashed that chip yet. There you go. The, <laughs> I uh, thought that was going to be funnier than it was, but that wasn't bad, man. It wasn't bad, but uh, I mean, Aaron yeah, only but, laughs at my 
making fun of people on Twitter jokes. He doesn't laugh. No, at I laughed. I laughed at. I laughed at the, them being the best combo that <laughs> shouldn't be in the NBA four years ago. I mean, the one thing I'm, I want to see in the I'm NIT. getting myself through this show. I I don't want to be here. I don't. I don't. I, I I'm ready to. You take think I want to talk about the Bearcats and the damn NIT? No, I don't want to be here well, talking about I, that. It has either. nothing to do with that. I want to. I know. Off. I know. That's I know. that's that's a good joke, fake John Goble. Ah, really. <laughs> Holton Aylers thinks that DeAndre Williams has been in college too long. Holton Aylers watched DeAndre Williams at Memphis when he was a kid. <laughs> had a poster of DeAndre in his bedroom. On his, yeah, like this. He had one of yeah. these with DeAndre Williams in his uh, his podcast studio. But uh, yeah, I mean, the main thing I want to see from the NIT is is Dan Skilling's continuous trajectory. Uh, you know, just just continue getting that man out there and getting him rolling. Uh, seems like he's got all the confidence in the world right now. Even against Houston, he was making some effort plays um, wherever the effort now, plays are available. <laughs> let's not get carried away, Kai. Yeah, Harry Ellis played college basketball for 36 years. He was there a long time. He was there for Larry Brown and yeah, he, Roy he played, Williams. He played, and, with, he played with Danny Manning. Perry yeah. Ellis did. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a miracle man. That was wild. Um, but uh I don't know. I just want to see scalings continue rolling. Um I'm excited for the like I don't I don't love the NIT, like whatever, but I'm excited for Wednesday. I think these guys are excited to keep playing. Oh yeah. Um it's a it's a fun team. It's a it's a team of good dudes. Yep. So as long as they're in on it, I'm in on it. Uh I, I, I do think the more that I look at Virginia Tech, it's a decent matchup for Cincinnati as long as I think the key being don't let them surprise you early and find a rhythm. Right. Because how many times have we seen teams with good shooters, they get the first one or two going and then they're hot the rest of the day. Right. Um, or late night, however Which you want to. Which is what Virginia Tech is. Yeah. They're they're shooting jump shooting team. I I mean you heard Chris Chris say it sounds like yeah, the yeah. exact same team. But what I'm saying is if you give good shooters a clean look early, right, then they'll make tough shots late because mm-hmm. that confidence is pumping. The rim looks like the size of a hula hoop. Um so dominate those first couple segments defensively and make them know that you're going to be aggressive and running them off the line and making them work for everything. Right. And then I think you can, you can control this game. I'm, I'm going to say something I, just cause I read it and I thought it was so interesting. Now you guys are going to be like, Oh, Brent, shut up. But it, you know, it, oh, the, Brent, shut up. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so I mentioned that 1991 game against Virginia tech. The last time that they played the Hokies, they did lose. Uh, but that was, Bob Huggins' second year as head coach. Was that their last year in the Metro? Or, no, were they still in the Metro after that? I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not going to quote me on what that. Year was but it? 91, 1990, I think, 91. A, I, think, I think it was either. Yeah, they were 91, 92. They were definitely in uh, the Great Midwest. Okay, so, so their last year in the Metro Conference, they lost to Virginia Tech in a postseason tournament. And Bob Huggins' second year as head coach. Then they went to the NIT. They lost in the second round of the 
and then that next year, Bob Huggins took uh, took the Bearcats to the uh, Final Four. Um, so you know what? I'm oh, I'm sure. What? I, I, oh, I'm just God. saying. I'm I'm sure back in that same time, it was you know, fans were probably like, oh, in Herb Jones scored a team by 18 points. That's awesome as well. So, you know, I'm sure fans back then were like, okay, we like the trajectory. Wish we could have won a couple more games here or there, but you know, and then poof, big off season, big season the following year, lead eight the year afterwards. Not saying anything, but thought it was interesting. A lot of a lot of correlations there. But and anything else on basketball, obviously we'll have more for you know, following the week one of, of NIT and, and potential, you know off-season talk and whatnot, but this is what we have for now. Our guy BJ Uncle Fucker says, uh, yes, Brent, last Metro year. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't know that's, right. his, that's, that's his alias? I, I did not, no. Old, old, old South Park reference. Okay. Fair. Fair. Remember that one, Aaron? Are you old enough to remember shut your bleeping face, Uncle Bleeper? I think I yeah. said I think I've said the bleep word too many times. You probably have. Show. Are we yeah. crossing over it? <laughs> just being, just being careful. Somebody sent me examples of people that 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 blew out the uh, cuss word uh, uh, restriction in the first eight seconds of the show. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> Like, I, was that this show or was that me and Dave? No, I don't know. But... Anyway, I don't either. But essentially, uh, YouTube has new, like, guidelines. And if there's a lot of profanity in the first eight seconds, that's really a thing. The first eight seconds of the show, you you don't get monetized. Oh. So hmm. I was like, I like, how much can you cuss in the first eight seconds of a show? Did you test them? People, no, people started sending me examples of shows. That made me understand why YouTube built that into their. How bad was it? Was it just horrible? It's, no, it's bad. It's been like, yeah. Like the whole What's eight seconds. No, like it was like, like it was, it was bad. The whole eight, the whole first eight seconds were. Uh, it was like, okay, I get why they made that. I get why they made that rule now. It, it like makes after. sense. I get it. It was, my, it was my place after the run that Houston well, went on earlier in the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when you know you look at a, a thing of like Tide Pods, and yeah. the 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 box says "Do not eat Tide Pods," and you're like, "Well, somebody somebody did that, or else there wouldn't that you wouldn't eat, that wouldn't you eat ten Tide Pods in eight seconds and see what happens? You <laughs> are no longer if if nobody did it, they wouldn't have to write it on the box. Yeah, you are no longer. Why well, uh, see the new the new fad is those. Those gallon jugs full of full of drank. I saw that. Oh yeah, that, what what's it called? Bongo. Bongo? Yeah, bongo. Yeah, it's Borg? Ryan, a board. Yeah, a board. Yeah, bl- blackout rage Borg. gallon. Come on. Blackout rage gallon. How many no Borgs? I've Ryan. never done it. I've never done it. Believe it or not. How how often have you done something uh, similar before it was called a board? <laughs> what we need to find the... out is, did you invent the board? And just somebody else accidentally. From you. Yeah. No, I hate to say it. I think I think me and my friends did actually back in. Uh, did you really? 2008, man. I hate to say it. The Gallons bullfrog. Did you make some bullfrogs? 
I don't know what that is. We would just literally just pour anywhere from two to six shots of tequila in one glass, squirt some Mio in it, just oh yeah, chug it as fast as we could. We had this thing. We had this thing. It was called the Super Six. So a glass, like and the Nightmare glass. Nine. Yeah, but we had this other thing called the Super Six or the Nightmare Nine, and you get six shots of tequila, and you pour you pour three of them into one glass, and you take it. And then you have 15 minutes to do it again. So it's the Super Six. The Nightmare Nine is the same thing, but you have 30 minutes to do nine. And we would do that. We would do it. It was like some days we'd just go to the bar. We'd be like, all right, it's it's Super Six time. and then Or it's Nightmare Nine time. And we would do that. Made for some fun nights. Lie. Too much drinking. You get used to it. I'm like, I'm like Goggins with a calloused liver, bro. Not a calloused mind. I don't do that anymore, though. I'm responsible. No, you're I'm a good. professional now. I'm a good boy. You're a professional now. What if they had yeah. Borgs when you were in college? I, they were a thing, but we just never did them. Because normally it's like Borg parties, so everyone brings their Borg. But we never, we never got into it. So everybody just comes to the party with their own gallon Mm -hmm. of fucked uppery. Yeah, we've done things like uh, friend in a fifth where you're like handcuffed to someone and you have a fifth of liquor and you you don't get unhandcuffed until you're finished. Done that too. Done that too. Yeah, it's not as bad. I mean, back in the day, a half a fifth, as long as you're with somebody that's competent, like as long as your partner is okay. If you got to drink the whole fifth, that's a lot. If you can, yeah. if, you can if you can do half, yeah, you'll be the fine. Course of, have you done a case race? Yeah, we've done beer Olympics. We've done case races. We've done all the fun shit, man. Back during COVID, we couldn't do any. Like Coach Figgle didn't want us going anywhere, obviously. So they, we would all just come back into our house. Our house was like the frat house of the football team, and so any Shocker. guy, yeah, any guy on the team would just show up and bring whatever okay. or something. Who was your house? What was your house? I got, a, I got a hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was me, Alec Pierce, Will Adams, Bryce Burton, Jacob Dingle, uh, Wyatt Fisher, Blake Basevich, and that's, that's a that's a fucking apartment building. Yeah, it was like two two houses connected, so there was okay. nine, and then it was Who like two of my buddies from pick, engineering. Pick your top four. Pick your top, top four, four for drinkers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me, Dingle. <laughs> Definitely not Alec. Definitely not Ben. They're lightweights. Um, let's so you see. know the greatest Bearcat house in history, right? Yeah, it's it's Derek Wolf, Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey and Caleros. And, uh, yeah, I would. Did and you listen would... to Wolf on oh, Rogan? Yeah. Yeah, uh, was, some of it, not all of it, but he shouted out that house how they were just shitheads, but were just all like very fucking. Good. Well, I'm sorry, very good. Well, I mean, great we're podcast. Okay, I think I think it's. Right. Did so, you hear look, him say? He's crazy. Microdose mushrooms. Yeah, microdose mushrooms. Yeah, Adderall, and, Adderall. and then told quarterbacks is going to eat their kids. Yeah, <laughs> when he sat though. Yeah. I love him. I love that. It was probably me, He's... Dingle, and I'd say Bryce, and then. Yeah, it's probably Will. Yeah, us four. I can just tell you this: you would have got owned. You got. Dominated. Oh yeah, I know. 
I, I've heard the story. By great I've heard ones. the I've heard the Jason stories of what he would do down in the Sigma Sigma house. Just him and Barwin were legendary. Like, <laughs> like they'd get like four beers because they would drink a beer in like two and a half minutes. Like they weren't gonna go, keep going back to the bar, so they would just go to the bar, order four or five beers for themselves, and in twenty minutes be out of beers. Yeah. It's good shit. Barwin's another <laughs> Barwin. Will, Barwin will put you to sleep now because you don't think what he's doing in his life is conducive. But it was Jason and Connor were were toe to toe back in those days. And, and Travis was just getting kicked off the team. Sadly, did you see the thing today that they? And they, then Derek the Wolf was eating raw elk. No, yeah. I didn't. Uh, Travis basically was like I, talking about the Cowboys at the combine, uh, his, his, you know, senior year. And they were like, so, you know, tell me, tell me about, you know, that year that you were suspended. And Travis is like, look, if you don't think that I've gotten over that to get to this point, like, if you really think you have to ask me about that after what I've gone through and what they put me through to get here, then you should probably draft somebody else and got up and fucking bounced. Wow. Damn. That's some. That's Trav. Yeah. He's swinging with that one. <laughs> they're putting out, like right now, their off-season content that they're starting to put out. They had Daniel Jeremiah on. They had um, the player personnel guy from the Eagles um, that, like, drafted Jason. And was like, like he was the one that was kind of like, it might take two years, but this guy's going to be a starter for us for a long time, which is, you know, why they took it. I think he gave him like a fourth round grade. And he's like, yeah, I, you know, I can't say I'm too right. I gave a first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe the greatest <laughs> center in history, a fourth round grade. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm not all that great, but yeah, um, they're getting into some really good offseason stuff with that, which I think is going to be like fascinating to get even more of the backstory of like mm -hmm. how, because as they tell these stories, I think a lot of other guys are going to be more comfortable. Mahomes told the story back in the middle of the season of how he tricked the Eagles. How he was like, I, I think this team, like, I think, I think they're going to, they're going to trade for me. So if you're going to get me, you better get me before they move up. And then the Eagles or the, the chiefs and then the chiefs took him and he was just completely lying out his ass. Just completely made it up because he wanted to go to the Chiefs and play for Andy Reid. Good job. And I, I bet there's a million stories like that, right? Yeah, I know. There's so much shit that flies under the radar. I mean, I just hear things not even close to that, just knowing like Alec, really. You can hear some cool stuff, cool stories, talk to some of the guys on his team, but nothing that in-depth. Have you ever heard McAfee tell the, the Peyton Manning casino story? No. Is it, they is went it legendary? For they went golfing and McAfee never doesn't know how to golf at this point. He's a rookie. And Manning's like, you come in golfing? And McAfee goes to Vinatieri and he's like, I need your clubs, bro. Peyton's taking me golfing. So they go golfing. Peyton's got this like limo bus rented. They get back to the casino. I think there's French Lick. Does French Lick have a casino, Brent? Yeah, they do. So they get back to French Lick. Have you heard the story, Brent? Yeah, I have. They get back to French Lick. McAfee stumbles off the bus, walks in, and he goes to the roulette table, and he starts, like, putting all his chips on all this different shit. <clears throat> and Manning walks in and just goes, 
18. And McAfee takes all his bets back, puts all of his fucking chips on 18. 18. <laughs> That's good. And Peyton just like, before the ball landed, Peyton was like 18 and just walked like away. And then it hit and a player, the whole place erupted. And it's like, like legendary true story. Wow. <laughs> Give me more of that stuff. That's what I want from, yeah. from NFL content. Yeah, because they got they do cool sh- they do they do cool right. stuff, man. They got all that money. They they got a they're cool guys, good personalities, good friendships. There's there's definitely crazy ass stories about growing up, college, meeting other guys. So I mean, I'm all for it. Where, where were we at? What were we talking about? You want to talk about Cade real quick, Ryan? While we're while we're lost in the woods, talk about what? Cade Pierce. Oh yes. Stilts? That's what we called them back in the house. <laughs> I tried to tell mid-major coaches across the country, this dude will win you games. Yes, 100%. This dude is tough. He's physical. He's been beat up on his whole life by two guys that were elite athletes. Yeah. Like, this dude is going to win you games. I watched him on one of the best AAU teams in the country be the glue guy and guard the opposing team's best player and hit threes and like, just be that dude. And nobody would listen to me. And he ended up at Princeton and he's the Ivy league rookie of the year. And he's playing in the NCAA tournament. He's a dude. He's a yep. dude. Yes. I love Kate. He's a great kid too. Yeah. Um, just an overall utility player. He's like, you said, he wins games. He does everything, does it hard. So Super happy for him. Happy for the Pierce family. That's awesome being able to go there with like an underdog team and watch something like that. I was tuning in and out of his games, talking to Alec um, during. So he was great. Yeah, he made winning. Did you see the donkey head down the lane? Yeah, Dang. boom. It was easy, easy I money. They get that. Pierce. They get that from their mom, man. That yeah, it's not dad. Won. Dad, no. What a Ain't washed no up has been that guy is. No, Greg. Greg was too banged <laughs> up back in the day, getting hurt too much. Mom Mrs. was Pierce an athlete. All the kids. Oh, she jumped like a th- some crazy vertical. I forget what Alec yeah. told me. Just like insane, which makes sense because Alec like literally has veins running from his toe right? to his neck. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was. She was the truth. There, there are. Pre like predominant mid majors guys that when you think about the top mid majors in the country, I told them him, him, and I, I, what I got back is well we think we got this four star and I'm like you're losing your identity, you became a top mid major because you've always got guys like him on your team. Yeah, you're not getting the four star. No. He's not going to play in in the. I won't out them he's not going to play in this league this kid will play in this league and win you games and get you in the ncaa tournament and they, they yep. didn't want to listen ryan we should scoop him up here in bearcat land i don't know that kate is a big 12 blue guy don't sleep on him man <laughs> no i know i know like i i love the way he plays i just love the intensity he plays with i love the iq he plays with and like much like Alec, not like Justin. Justin's not an athlete. <laughs> yeah, Justin Mr. was a shooter. USC. Yeah, Justin. Justin wasn't an athlete. 
Cade's a really, really good athlete. Like a, a lot of the stuff with Alec, his vertical surprising, he's sneaky fast. You know, <laughs> all the all the white kid cliches. <laughs> he can jump. Weird. Yeah. Believe it or not, he can jump and he can run really good. <laughs> all things that, things that nobody – Yeah, you think every college in the country wouldn't have wanted to have Alec Pierce? Oh, but they yeah. looked at him and, and went, yeah, white guys don't that, – that can't be right. That's no. Not, that's not a white guy number. <laughs> that's, that's just some volleyball player. Yeah. <laughs> get out of here. Come on. All right, Brent, go back. Get us back on track. I took us off for 20 minutes, but uh, I'm sorry. Hey, all I'm saying is, you know, you keep pumping Ryan up with his drinking skills. Him and I got to go out one night, and we'll uh, we'll see. Are you guys going to do Borgs? We'll see who comes out on top. The Brent Brent and Ryan Borg night (laughs) with a a video camera. Only if they allow us to take it into Murphy's or or something like that. <laughs> Slam some free hot dogs and and tasty oh, tasty popcorn. I miss Murphs. Haven't been there in a min. There you go. There you go. But uh, yeah. I mean, I I guess that wraps up the basketball and miscellaneous <laughs> portion of uh, the podcast. Oh, but, I gotta do a hold on. Quick Paper Supply, your locally and family-owned restaurant supply company. For all your non-food products, Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low-minimum next-day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom-printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom. There you go. Right on. Uh, real quick, Chad, obviously you weren't able to make it to the last couple of spring practices. Um, I missed two, yes. Yeah, Kerry Hoffman was was able to be there and, and collect quite nice intel that you can catch on the uh, BCJ website. Uh, anything else that you've heard, Chad, or that you and Kerry have spoken about off you know off the record or, or Ryan, anything second. that you've heard? One second, yeah. I'll be right back. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. One second. Ryan, did you you get to read any of the uh, practice reports or hear from any of the guys on the team how how things are going through week one? They just say they're humming along. Uh, They like the the efficiency, kind of what Chad was referencing when he went there. Um, The coaches are – they seem to be meshing well with the coaches. Uh, It's it's a different feel, but everyone seems to like it. Um, Still a lot of – they got to make up for a lot of snaps. They got to make up for just a whole new kind of philosophy. They kind of try to work through. So there's some nerves with that. Um, but I think it just takes some time to get used to, to find their their style and how everything's going to mesh with this new staff. So it's a two-way street. And I think the players are just starting to get more comfortable. But still a lot, a lot of work to do is what they're saying. So. So there's the the whole spring break now. What uh, what was kind of the message from the staff for you guys when it was like, all right, guys, you're about to hit spring break. Don't get arrested. Don't no. yeah. Don't hang out with your guys. Don't go do any stupid shit back home. Like, and if you were going somewhere, you had to tell Coach Vickle, and we were the ones like, yeah, we're going to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, and he would just grill our shit. Like, you really want to do that? And, and basically, like, he makes sure that, like, 
if people are going somewhere that you know they got tabbed they have to check in and make sure they're responsible like if there's older guys that they're responsible to take care of guys but it's basically like yeah you you realize we're coming back we're rolling so take it at your own risk don't get hurt don't do anything stupid or you're you're effed basically how how long is that revamp period is it is it literally first day back you are lighten it up or or do they oh, give you like sh- a a bit of a I think I think we come back we come back we do like a flush day with Brady and which is like a flush lift flush run and then we have meetings and the next day we pretty much I don't know if it's I think we're just helmets and then the day after that we we're going hard so I mean I just think that's wild I, I mean spring I break know. I, I couldn't believe it a, yeah yeah it's it's an animal I mean yeah, guy, we we didn't we didn't take it lightly. Um, I don't know what the guys are doing. I know some guys are doing stuff. I don't know what the team is a whole. You didn't take what lightly? Spring break? Yeah, we we didn't like fear. We didn't fear the the practices coming back. We want <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. what I was getting at. Not that you didn't take the repercussions lightly. You didn't take spring break lightly. Lightly, we only get four or five of these. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't even get one. We got two taken away. Wait, oh, yeah. COVID got basically, you, yeah. yeah, two taken away out of the yeah. five. So I only did something once was last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, most guys like we, we kind of just said it like, F it, let's go have a good time. But we knew coming back, like, we're going to either we got to be ready to take care of ourselves in the couple days leading up and it's go time and you can't let anything show out on the field or they're going to hound your ass. Like how's Fort Lauderdale Royer? Like shit like <laughs> that. Just like the moment, the moment Ask you your look kid, like fickle. <laughs> yeah. The moment, the moment you act like you've been hurting because of you're out drinking or doing stupid shit. I mean, they're, they were on your ass immediately. So, you know what that reminds me of? What was it? Was it 21? The first day of higher ground, everybody cramped. Everybody like everybody went out because you guys didn't do the first couple days on campus like always. You went high. Your first day at higher ground was the first day of camp. Yeah, and I remember a bunch of dudes <laughs> got after it before you guys went to higher ground, and they did not have a good first day. <laughs> yeah, give me. You don't have to name names, but it was a rough first day at higher ground. I was standing yeah. there and Satan. The best is like the one day you come back um, to campus. It's just like a, yeah. a a free for all after that that scrimmage. Just like scramble mode. Like, how can we get as much of us in the same spot, drinking as much as we can, just to have one bit of fun in this hell? And what and time then, you guys would have to be back at like what eight nine o'clock on Sunday morning? Like that, yeah, just. Hell, <laughs> some guys now could. Some guys would didn't rest. Have practice. You didn't have practice that next day. Yeah, you just went Sunday. back and ate and met and did meetings and, and then went back to higher ground. Yeah, that bus ride was always the worst. Dude, I'm talking. <laughs> it's like pulling back in, seeing the sign, getting on the gravel road. You're like, holy shit! Like this, we, is- we're not. We're all. We're barely halfway done with this. Yeah, like guys would literally be on the bus, like screaming the f word, like. F this man, like just so pissed <laughs> off. You just hear like three or four of those just ringing through the bus. <laughs> but everybody loves higher ground, Ryan. They have great food. 
Food's good, yeah. The people who run it are great. I'm, I'm going to miss those. Monterey uh, Ranch chicken and, sandwiches? Mm, uh, Chuck is awesome. I love Chuck. Yeah, Chuck and... The Monterey Ranch chicken sandwiches are elite. They're yeah. pretty good. I could start a restaurant just with Monterey Ranch chicken sandwiches on a croissant. <laughs> with the bacon ranch, though. You can't yeah. get the, the yeah, you got to go bacon ranch. Not just the regular yeah. ranch, the bacon ranch. Which is just ranch with giant chunks of bacon in it. <laughs> but we're not going to act like there was some exquisite prep. They just dumped the bacon bits right in it. Right into the ranch. That. Yeah, it's just yeah. a giant bowl of ranch. That they just dumped a, a smaller bowl of bacon bits into. <laughs> yes. Aye, aye, aye. Well, um, Chad, any, any, anything further that you've heard outside of what Carrie's been posting? Um. um I, I will say this. I, I liked I, I was surprised what I saw skill wise from the, the transfers. Right. D. Wiggins, Donovan Ali, Joey Belgian. Yeah. Um uh Jordan Young, uh DJ Taylor, like the the five or six guys that they brought in to be frontline uh skill guys wide receiver and, and corners, I liked what I saw quite a bit. And, and yes, it's, it's, it's without pads, you're playing on air, but that's the one position, and, and Ryan can agree or disagree, when, when they don't have pads on, I'm looking for the guys that the pads matter the least. And yeah. it's what happens outside. Uh, Donovan Ali, like I think that can be a really, really valuable possession wide receiver type weapon. Bigger body, uh, really good hands, what I've seen so far, uh, confident. Um, so I was impressed with some of that outside stuff. And and that's what I, I was only there one day again. Like I said, I had to I had to fill in for Mo. But I was really impressed what I saw from that group of transfers. And those guys were brought in Florida, Arizona State, like Washington State, like they were brought in from high levels of college football, power five levels of college football, and they look like it. They look like guys that we're going to be talking a lot about through spring football into camp, into the season. So considering how dangerously thin those rooms got during this transition, um, it was nice to see that at least at the top of the roster – at least at the top of the roster, there are going to be some answers for this group going forward. That was a huge – if I would have went in and watched those guys and all thought, oh, God, like they didn't hit on any of these guys, right. we'd be having a much different conversation going into spring break week. Mm-hmm. And Kerry saw the same. Kerry wrote about a lot of those same guys that I noticed pop off the page – Day one, Kerry wrote about them again, day two and day three. And then the biggest storyline of camp is, is for me, seeing uh, Deshaun Pace in the nickel. That's just not like it's, – it's old school 3-4 where that one outside linebacker was kind of your nickel guy. And you don't see that anymore. Like they they cut it down. It's three linemen, three backs, three backers, and then five DBs. Deshaun Pace is a DB. If he can do it, and he looked like he could do it, 
that changes kind of the ceiling for this defense, I think. And and he looked the part. It's getting yeah. more playmakers on the field. Yeah. Well, well, well and it allows you to play a real 3-4 where you have, you know, a real 3-4 defense fits this personnel because you've got Dante, Malik, and, and Briggs inside. If you look at those old 3-4s, the Steelers, the Patriots, like when the 3-4 really became a, th- a thing – you had a run-stuffing, massive nose tackle, and two power ends. And then Ooh, a rush fuck. linebacker, a cover linebacker, and two middle linebackers. And that really looks like how they looked at the beginning of camp. We'll see. I'm not going to get too over my skis, but if it's like, how great were those defenses when you were playing a real legitimate 3-4 like that? Which, I like. I mean, it's, it's exciting to hear about Dorian Jones as well because you need, obviously, a he popped several beast times in the middle. Yeah, he popped several times, and I, I think Jack Dingle is going to be a beast in the middle. I really like, you know, he's I, big I, as hell, dude. He is so big, it's crazy and fast and strong. Yes. It's not just that he's big; like he moves. Yeah, can't wait till the pads come on. That's when the real shit starts. They That's were on. They were on Thursday. Um, are they going though? Uh, Carrie said they were. I wasn't. Again, I was on radio, so um, I think I've only got at this point one more spring practice. Uh, depending on Kelly, <sighs> depending on everything going on there, I should only miss one more spring practice. So I'm looking forward to seeing the progression, Ryan, of like how that looks uh, as we go forward. I'm going to come check out a practice. I need to get that yeah. done and I'll, I'll write some shit down and bring it on the show. Oh, baby, baby. Come on now. We're talking hey. now. We're talking now. A little football, a little football. I mean, you have the option to work seven to three. Like you can, you can <laughs> arrange your schedule to be there yeah. by like three 30, which the way that things work now, practice is scheduled for three by three 30. It should be period like five. Yeah. Miss all they the, move, boy. They move. Yeah, I I can do that. I I can figure that out. When when's the first day back? Because I want to come the second day. Because that's when shit's gonna be going. Uh, let's see, eight nine. The twenty seconds, the first day back. They go 22, 23, 24. Actually, I won't be there on the twenty fourth because of radio. Be if you want to be there, if you and Aaron want to double team the twenty fourth. That's that a would Friday. be money. Yeah. No. Is it a Friday? Wednesday, it's Thursday. Twenty fourth is. Yeah. I know I can do. I know I can do Thursday. I have to. Okay. I might be able to get out of work early Fridays, depending on if I can get some extra hours in before. So we'll see. I'll be there on the twenty third, and we can we can kick it. How about what do you think of that, Ryan? Normally, you guys would start back on Monday after spring break. They're giving these guys until Wednesday. That's nice. To get a couple days get, in the weight room, yeah. reacclimate, get the uh, toxins. Is that the right word? Toxins <laughs> out of your body? The fun juice. <laughs> the funny juice. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, so, I mean, yeah. Uh, I think Wayne Gerbach asked a good question. I don't question know, Wayne. I, I don't know what it's, a Big 12 roster looks like. Like, right. we haven't, <laughs> I think we haven't seen it firsthand yet. 
But we're gonna know after the third conference game. We'll really get a good grip on right what we. What have. I will say, what I will say, Wayne. Um, and Wayne asked, so at this way too early stage to tell does the squad look like solid Big Twelve roster. What I will say is those names that I mentioned look like Power Five players: Donovan Ali, Jordan Young, uh, D Wiggins, DJ Taylor. Those guys look like Power Five players. Um, Dorian Jones, uh, Greziak looked like a Power Five player. Hard to t- I didn't see the offensive line with pads, <clears throat> but Radosovich didn't look like like a guy that I, he looks. He kind of looks like Jason Kelsey in college. Huge upper body. Yeah, he kind of has that. Like he's a little smaller in terms of his overall like weight, but he's got some Jason Jason Kelsey look into him and the way he moves um in his frame um so i yeah i think that the early returns on the guys they brought in or at least a decent majority of them are they look like what they're supposed to look like at least at minimum what you don't want is these guys show up and they're like they're small they're skinny they're they're slow you know what i mean like and that's happened rhino attest Guys showing up that have like this big reputation, and they show up, and oh, you yeah. go, "No, nope. guy's like where? <laughs> no, we're not going to name any names, but we will." There, like that guy can't play here. I don't care where he came from; he can't play here. I, I mean, look at Ivan too, just showing up like a big bowling He's ball. The good exception, and then he got he got to work and, yeah. and trimmed his body. Not everyone has that sort of work ethic to get. Uh, by the time uh, Ivan got on the field, it was clear. Yeah. Like by the time Ivan took his first snap in practice, it was like, oh, you're not going to be able to keep him off the field. Well, we have other plans. Well, those plans don't matter because you're going to have to make different plans because this guy's going to play every snap. (laughs) This guy's going to be the first unanimous All American in program history. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Well, so more question, Wayne. Yeah. It's a great question, Wayne. Uh, I will just say the first returns are. The higher end level of the transfers look the part. Will they play the part? I don't know yet. We haven't seen enough, but they look twitchy. They look like like corners look like they get in and out of their breaks well. Receivers look like they run good routes, look like they have a, a, an understanding of what they're supposed to be doing. That Those little things look the part. We'll find out from here if they're Big 12 quality guys we don't know yet um and and obviously we'll have more as as spring ball continues i thought shaman is is being limited right i think that that's what the coaches were talking about in the preseason you know the interviews and whatnot so it's good to see joey belich's name get thrown out there a couple times uh the western kentucky transfer at tight end just you know continuing to see multiple guys like you said came over via the transfer uh but more will come on spring practice as they have the spring break and then uh, back and, and at it. So stay locked in here. We'll obviously bring more on the BBP and whatnot. Um, anything, uh, should we stamp this a little, little quick, quick football wrap up? I don't have anything. Quick paper supply timestamp that. There, there you go. All right. 
Quick Paper Supply Supply provides mostly disposable restaurant supplies, products like to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins, etc. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. So this is where I always ask anything on recruiting, football or basketball. I think uh, kind of seen some visitors on campus for football. Not not yet, but a lot of twenty twenty four. Right, we're getting like that. That's starting to round into form. I just haven't. Right. Oh, <laughs> I wish I had time, but I don't. well, it's, it's good to see Rayvon on campus. It looks like he's been uh, he, he's in posted a picture in fifth third today. So. Good to see Rayvon is 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 here and and ready to continue the movement. And I tell you what, portal season is upon us. I think around lunchtime today there were already three hundred plus teams. Uh, sorry, names that enter their name into the portal, crazy. Uh, and that number is only going to rise. It's insane with <laughs> the NCAA tournament not even starting yet. Think about you know there's there's sixty eight teams in the NCAA tournament. There's thirty two teams in the NIT. Yeah. So you got 90 teams that don't have anybody in the portal yet. Like it's gonna be a lot. Mikey Saunders entered his name again from from Utah. So I I don't know. It, it's just there is just it's it's the wild wild west and uh, it's it, it's upon us. But we we'll talk more about downtown that as it comes. 129th Street. Do do any of you see an issue with? us playing in the NIT to not be already in the portal and making those connects and, and no, they're still, the coaches on. are calling. The coaches are, are doing their due diligence. I just saw it brought up. I feel like on social media. Yeah, I mean, the coach, like somewhere. Cincinnati's being mentioned with guys. Like it's not like they're, they're sitting at home, not uh, paying attention to it. They're doing the early stages and still figuring out like I, I, the hard part is, you know, if, if they didn't make a postseason tournament, then those conversations would have started today. But they're playing in the NIT, so those conversations will have to wait until they're done playing in the NIT because their intention is to win the NIT. And if you start having those conversations, you can fracture your team pretty quickly. Um, once the season ends, they will have those conversations, but that doesn't stop you. This is the important part for people to understand. With that said, that does not stop you from recruiting anybody you think might be a fit here. Do you know exactly how many spots and roster construction and all that stuff? No, not yet. But you do know we are going to be making additions and we should be in contact with anybody we think could be a fit here. They're doing that. So... People want to like, they want to get mad about this without considering that. You have to take both of those things into consideration. You can prepare to play in a postseason tournament while still doing your due diligence and making sure that you're ready for what's next. And Cincinnati is doing both of those things. So that's that's how you handle it. I know people, people get in their feelings. And they want everything to be black and white. Sometimes things are in color. And and there are multiple things happening at the same time. Though I can assure you, 
those things are happening. It's just a matter of let's see, let's see where it where it plays out, where it goes. Yep. Yeah, Aaron, I I know you're referring to where where it's like if the season ended, it'd be all hands on deck on the on the recruiting yeah. front. But it I is. It's right. I, I didn't say it wasn't. So no, it, no, no. It, I'm just saying, like right. the, to answer those questions. Yeah. It is. Right. They're also preparing for a game. Right. Like what what happens? It's like on the Bearcat Journal team, right? So the the NIT is announced. We know Brent has the scout. So then the rest of us Reluctant. are doing all the other stuff. You got the scout. We're working on recruiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard you guys last night try to look over all the Virginia Tech stuff. You're like, oh, this is too hard. I'm like, yeah, I mean, imagine my life. It's every single team. Yeah. But anyway, it's, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, they recruit during the season too. I mean, Wes was at the right. game. And, and Kokomo to see Flory play. He's still recruiting during uh, preparing for, for big games down the stretch as well. So um, it'll when be. When does AAU basketball start? Holly, uh, generally early April, there will be like uh, tune up tournaments. And then right after the final four, things will really get going. And coaches have two weekends on the road in April, two weekends in June, and one in July where coaches are on the road. But the AAU and high school basketball scene, AAU goes April and May, high school is June, and then AAU and uh, these ridiculous fucking NCAA sanctioned camps uh, in July. So we will we will be out and about, and when the uh, when the new guy gets rolling, uh, he will be on the road with me. So. Excited about all of that to get uh, cracking because 24, just like 23, just like why we were out on the road a ton last year, 24 is going to be critical to the staff. So a lot of good stuff coming this spring and summer on BCJ. Maybe not on Twitter, but on BCJ. (laughs) Very much so. Aaron, you ready for the mailbag, my man? Yeah. Uh, All right. Go and fire that sucker up. Starting with the football portion of the mailbag. I know it's just conjecture, but do you guys agree with the projection that the Cats finished ninth in the Big 12? I don't think it's crazy. There's 14 teams. I don't think they're going to be the worst team. I don't think they're going to be the best team. I, I don't have yet enough knowledge to say I think this team can be middle of the pack. Which would be seven, six, seven, eight. Ninth is just below that. I don't think that's crazy in terms of where we're at right now, three days into spring football. Um, if they finish six, seven, or eight, I think we're all going to be happy with the way that the season's sure, transpired. Sure. I, I think ninth is probably right now reasonable. We don't know what the spring transfer portal is going to bring. They, I, they do need tackles. They do need more wide receivers. You know, there are things that they need to continue to accomplish in terms of adding to the roster. Um, ninth, I think, is probably about where I would have them if we're talking about, you know, March 13th. Yeah, I think they have a uh, pretty favorable schedule. 
uh, in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's one thing they do have going for them. Um, I I think ninth could be a good starting point, and I think that they should think that we are going to do everything to be better than ninth um, because I think that the returning players that are there uh, defensively that that we know of, I mean, those are some high high level players, and yeah. and and sure, are they going to you know, how how they translate in the new system will be still a question mark, but I mean, I think that the the tradition of winning will will kind of exude through them. I think just shoring up the offensive line. And making it and then quarterback play, I think that'll be. To I, I mean, I think college football quarterback play is is up there with as as synonymous with winning as as anything else. Um, so I I think it'll be be interesting to see how how those things trickle out offensive line and quarterback play. But look, Ryan knows if Jake Sopko had to be the quarterback, <laughs> we would have went to the playoff. Don't yeah, don't sleep on I, my yeah, boy. That's what I was. That's what I was leading you to. Sako is a member of this network. We're just ribbing him a little bit. No one's get their panties in a watch. Sabko's a good ass quarterback. He was good. Yeah. He wasn't Desmond Ritter, but he was good. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't Darian Beavers. <laughs> That's fair. All right. What do you think of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah potentially joining the Big 12 if the Pac 12 implodes? Hearing any inside information? No. Maybe great. When we have inside information, that usually comes from Dan Simon, and he will join us when there are things to talk about on that front. <laughs> Look at like yeah, if the Pac-12 falls apart, uh, the the heat right now seems to be on Arizona and Colorado as the two most uh, susceptible to breaking away at this point. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. We, like, I agree with with Dave. Dave has said, until there's a media deal presentation on the table, we won't know what's going to happen with the Pac-12. If they make a presentation to the schools and it's shit, or there are some schools that feel like the uh, exposure isn't what they want it to be, then you'll start to see some cracks form. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I do think a lot of places are on high alert to see what George Klyakov produces. And to this point, he hasn't produced shit. And that's the football portion of the mailbag. Uh, Moving on to the basketball portion here. Uh, you can only use the not sitting out transfer once, right? Bearcat adjacent example. Saunders goes from UC to Utah. He now is transferring from Utah to a third team. Potentially, he would be required to sit out a year. This may or may not also relate to a certain Georgetown player. Uh, they hand out waivers like candy when it comes to transfer. They, they don't want litigation. So if the school you're leaving gives you a runoff, basically saying you're free to go, the NCAA is not going to try to block you. Where it gets sticky is if they feel there's tampering, like if the school you're leaving feels that there's tampering and they want to get in the way for a second transfer, they can. It can get sticky. Um, each case is very uh, case-specific, I guess is the right way to put it. Um Generally, 
that second transfer is going to go through as long as there isn't a major sticking point. Coaching changes obviously make it immediately accessible, but yeah, um, which which I think they referenced the the Georgetown, yeah, mentioned which will be then be it, you get another free transfer because Patrick Ewing is turned out to not be the. You get another free transfer because you made a terrible decision and you bankrolled a lot of zeros. Yep. Hopefully you get what you were promised in NIL and you bankrolled those zeros. That's all I'll say on that matter. (laughs) All right. Uh, The Bearcats longest winning streak all year is four games on a scale of one to 10, 10 being stupefied in, in an eight hour bourbon haze. What would your what would be your level of shock if you were to see the Nets being cut down in Vegas and a twenty sixth win under the Bearcat belt? About eight, eight. yeah, yep. eight. Look at us. They haven't Chad. been great on the road. They haven't they haven't been great on the road. Like you got it. You're going to have to win two road games and then two neutral site games. Uh, I think they can. I think they can win Wednesday. And then we'll see if they can go win two in a row on the road. It's not against potentially. Rutgers was the first, was the was the number one team, first team out, right? Am I wrong on that, Brent? Uh, no, Rutgers was the second team out. Second Oklahoma team out. State was the first. Okay. Well, you, you you're playing. You would potentially be playing a team that you know feels like they should be in the tournament. As the second Rutgers, team. Rutgers got absolutely screwed. Like 2006 Bearcat level was screwed. So yeah, um, I, I, I uh, eight. I'll go with Royer eight. Aaron, I will go nine and a half. <laughs> Aaron hates this team on the road. Away from I, home. I do absolutely hate this team on the road. Uh, there yeah, is hates no this team in that. general. I Aaron don't is- hate this team. Like. <laughs> Aaron I thought hates this team, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Stop it. I thought this team was <laughs> a really likable team as put together. I just don't see them winning four games not in fifth third in a yeah, row. That's more than fair. More than fair. Um, the good news is they won't have to play any games back-to-back days. Because they have they been didn't, they didn't do well shit at that. <laughs> <laughs> shit. That's their two worst games of the year, Houston and Ohio State, by a wide margin, more so than NKU. Their two worst games of the year were Houston and Ohio State. Um, I want to say 10 just so I can be in an eight-hour bourbon haze. but uh, that, Well, if you go nine and a half like Aaron, you're in like a seven-hour bourbon haze. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean – I. You go to bed an hour early with a nine and a half. I'm an optimist. I see their route to the uh, – to Las Vegas, and I see my. We all see the route. I see myself joining them and cutting down the nets. Let's go with them. Let's go with the. <laughs> let's go with the six. I'm, I'm, I'm in there with the no five and a half. Give me a five and a half. Oh, the man. Hey, one can dream, right? I... Let Let oh. me address this real quick. Fake John Goble says that they lack any kind of consistency, especially on offense, to make it less than an eight. Yeah, because that's that's the double-edged sword of a jump-shooting team. How many times over the past 30 years did everybody want a three-point shooting team? We can just 
get a, get as many three point shooters as you can get. Well, yet you still have to be able to break I, down a defense, and you still have to be able to do so many other things more than having a team that can shoot the three. Uh, because three point shooting, by nature, it's like baseball. We've talked about this a million times. You're successful at best 40% of the time. And, hey, Brent, if I told you you could gamble at a 40% clip for the rest of your life, you could. would you stop gambling? Like, yes. the point of gambling Absolutely. is to be over 50%. You want to do things over 50% in life. I, mean, I, I take it back. I'd still gamble. It would just not be smart. <laughs> <laughs> What did you, you want to say, Aaron? Spoken, spoken like a true gambler. Um, I think they were finding some consistency before the Vic injury. I think that kind of just yeah. set everything well, off. He gave for this them a team. different option. And, and him coming back hasn't been what Vic was before the injury. So it's it's I think that's been where they've struggled to find that consistency. His role hasn't been what it was. Um you haven't been know, able to throw him the ball he's on the consistently. Court. You haven't been able to throw him the ball and consistently get a bucket since he came back. Right. And that's uh, that's that that takes this offense down a couple notches because even with Kalu and Odie, they they've had games where they were super effective, but it was never really like throw the ball, get a bucket. It was like pick and roll, uh exploit a mismatch, get, you know, get a guy for a dunk. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Uh, where are the rumors that Wes isn't capable of having tough conversations coming from in regards to the offseason? They're made up. They're fabricated. They're not real. They're just people venting their frustration uh, over potentially not getting what they think needs to happen to this roster. Wes will have the tough conversations. It's a matter of how those conversations go. We'll see. We don't know. We know he had those tough conversations last year. People might disagree with what he brought in after those tough conversations were had. But those tough conversations were had. Like, there were a couple guys that left that wanted to stay. And they were given a very clear picture of what it would look like if they returned. And they decided to go elsewhere. Those are having the tough conversations. And look, what fans don't want to eat, enter into this conversation is you can have the tough conversation and the guy agrees. He had the tough conversation with Mike Adams-Woods. He said, we're, we're on the lookout for a high-level Power 5 point guard or equivalent to come in here and be, you know, the point guard. And if you want to stay, you can stay. And if you feel like that's not what you're looking for, then, you know, we'll help in whatever way we can. And Micah said, I'm not leaving. And the other guy said, I'm looking for something else. There was no hard feelings toward Mike Saunders when he left. Mike Saunders was looking for something different than what the tough conversation entailed. So he left. Like that's yeah, Wes is going to have the tough conversation. I think people just they think that tough conversation is they sit down and Wes goes, You get the fuck out of here. And like that's the whole conversation. 
Like, no, it's more nuanced than that. Life is more nuanced than that. The conversation is, here's what we see for you going forward. Do you see yourself in this role? If the player says yes, where else does the conversation go? If you're honest, that's up to the player. Are they they willing to buy into that role? If they are, then they'll be back. If they're not, then they'll be gone. Like that's, everybody sees it as like what they want to see it. What what they would say, right? Here's what I'd say if I had to have the tough conversation. Well, you're not the guy having those tough conversations. And you're not the player reacting to the, I think that's, that's the missed part of this. The coach can have the tough conversation. And if the player says, I'm good with that. Let's let's do this. Let's go win. Chad, then we are what, a vid- then what do you do? We are we are a video game and fantasy football society. I know. Don't take that away from us. <laughs> you ask me the question, you're gonna get the answer. I'm sorry, Aaron. I know I you know. like to trade I, the entire farm I, system. I just when you read start the, playing major league baseball. I, 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 I just read the question. I didn't ask the question. <laughs> I know, but I, am I wrong? You you start Major League Baseball every year and you trade the whole farm system. No, I trade I trade the guys at the top I don't like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody over 30 must go. Hey, that's um, the Bengals philosophy and I don't hate it. Nope. Uh what are the top 3 priorities for the transfer portal if West goes that deep? Scoring guard, big man, big man. 4-5. Like I think the four and the five are the most important. Uh, if it goes three deep, then I definitely think a scoring guard to replace or at least like cover for the loss of Dave comes into play. If there were only two, I would go center, rim-protecting, dominant center, so you can move Vic to the four because I think Vic is a four more naturally. Um, and then you go uh, – another big guy to kind of add to that rotation so that you've got Vic, Odie, transfer big man, transfer big man, or freshman big man, transfer big man to operate between. I think you need four between those two positions. And then if it gets starts to get thin, you have Landers you could slide to the four. Newman, if he comes back, that you can slide to the four. Um You've got options, but you have to have at least three centers. We saw that this year. You have to have at least three guys that can play the five. If Vic and Odie come back, there's two. So you have to – Sage, we'll see. We don't know at what level Sage is going to be ready to perform against the Big 12 uh, as a redshirt freshman. He'll be on the roster, but is he 100% capable of – Hey, with you know, we're down, we're down six with eight minutes to go in the first half. We're going to put Sage in and not have a bad, you know, four minute segment. It's kind of where you're going to be with Sage next year. If you feel like that does change. I said the freshman big man is an option, a transfer big man. You have to, you have to include it. It's not like. Flory Badunga is a fucking surprise name that we all just are finding out could be an option for 2023. We've talked about it a hundred times. 
a million times <laughs> if you've been on the message boards. I don't know if he's going to be 2023. I don't know if he's going to come to Cincinnati. But if we're talking about it, if we're in here on this podcast, watching Royer sway back and forth so fast his camera can't pick him up because he's still got the moves, like Florian Samto are potential reclassifications that Cincinnati has done a lot of work on. There is a possibility that they end up here for for next year. Am I together? No, probably not. But am I saying that's going to happen? No. Would I be an idiot if I didn't uh, at least mention it as something that could happen? Yes, because then what would happen is if if it did happen, somebody would say, well, on March 13th, 2023, Chad said there's not going to be a freshman big man uh, potentially on this roster in 2023. And he was wrong. And he sucks. And fuck him. All right. Chad's clearly going through some things. Uh, Moving on. Will they have a full-time or will they have a full roster minus injuries for Wednesday? Any potential portal entries or seniors with a COVID year left sitting out? My understanding is they will be full go. Okay. Wednesday night. So that's my understanding. I meant to ask this question two weeks ago, but what trade would you make with a prior UC Bearcats team that would make both teams better? For instance, 2008. 2018 team Keith Williams for Davenport. Davenport would have been really interesting on that 2018 team. Like a guy that, you know, you didn't need a whole lot else, but you really could have used a guy that just heat check. Like, let me see if I can, I can squeeze off three made threes in this game. That's a good one. Slim cat. That's a good one. Um, I mean, does it have to be a fair trade? (laughs) (laughs) Relatively fair. Relatively fair. It just has to make both teams better. Um, How about if we give the 2013 SK senior year, right? 14. 14. How about if we give the 2014 team Jaron Cumberland, trade him for Shaq Thomas? Well, no, it, it, it's out of the, the current team, right? From the current team is what it's saying? That's that's how I read it, yes. You Uh-oh. trade somebody from the current team for somebody from years prior. Okay, I'd give that 2014 team Dave Julius or Landers Nolly, one of the two. Yeah. Because that was really – that team was SK, Jack, and Titus. Like, yep. you, you give me Dave on that team – or you give me uh, you give me Landers, Landers and SK together, that would have been a lot of fun. Landers, SK, Jack, and Titus two through five, that would have been a, and that team made it to what number seven in the country. Yeah. Could you trade Dave for Copain and have both teams be better? I think you would trade Dave for Kevin. I would never make that trade, but that's just me. He wouldn't even 100%. call Landers Nolly by his correct name. 100%. Didn't do it the whole season. Was still screwing it up the final game. Let's <laughs> let's make that 2013 team better. <laughs> trade uh, trade Vic for for Sheck Mudge. Okay, 
You think you got okay. S- SK Cash Jaquan? I like Titus. Sheck Mudge a lot. I, I think Sheck Mudge's uh, value was underrated. Wow, he he was eighth in the country in in block percentage, Jeez. and he rebounded the shit out of the ball too. I was a big Sheck Mudge guy. I love Sheck Mudge. And then they played Doug McDermott. Okay, um, Vic Lockham, Sweet Sixteen team or. The year before, hold on. Shit. Give me one second. Okay. 2011 team would be the year before the Sweet 16. Uh, here we go. Kai's Kai's bias says somehow I think Broken Leg Kenyon might help this current team trade whoever away. <laughs> How about Ibrahima Thomas for Victor Locken, 2011 Bearcats? Ibrahima Thomas had 5.7 points and uh, 5.3 rebounds on the team that lost to Kimba Walker in the NCAA tournament. I trade Vic for Titus Rubles. I would not, because I no. would be afraid that Titus Rubles would murder me. Well, I've you not been. Know, in, I've not been in the Titus arena. Like I did. <laughs> I've not been in the <laughs> arena. But I, I just I can't imagine these guys losing points and missing free throws with Titus or losing games like ECU and NKU. Uh, uh, I'm saying I. I don't think they would have. With oh, you mean on this team you would take Titus Rubles? Yes. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay. Great, Vic. Give me Titus on this team, and they, okay. they don't lose those. They don't lose those games. I don't know that this team could have handled Titus Rubles. He might have murdered someone. It would have been Alabama, but worse. No, I, it would have been Baylor. <laughs> and I love oh. Titus. But a, a lot of these guys, I don't know that they could have handled. They could have handled the realness of Titus Rubles, and that is said with all of the respect. Like I, I've always said, that senior year team, everybody thought Sean and and Jack were SK and Jack were the leaders. Titus is the one that put fear in everybody else because he wanted to win that bad. He's like, I'm here to fucking win. And if you guys aren't working as hard as me, we got a problem. But I don't disagree with you, Aaron. I just wonder uh, what it would have been like throwing that grenade in this pond. I wonder what it would have been like with Titus Rubles on a team where cell phones could record video. Um, That's the basketball portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the banks. Uh, Well played, sir. Well played. First, I'm going to say fuck cancer and hope Kelly bounces back from the latest setback. Rapid fire. What is your go-to order at a sit-down Mexican restaurant? It depends on the Mexican restaurant. If it is an option, green chili chicken enchiladas. I love hatch green chilies. I love chicken enchiladas. If I have that option, not many do, but green chili chicken enchiladas. I'm a chicken chimichanga guy myself. You're muted, Roy. Chimichangas, I said at the same time as Aaron, therefore we are Mexican brothers. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't they want call to know those, what that means. 
They call those hermanos. <laughs> there you go. Me hermanos. Uh, I'm all over the place at Mexican restaurants. I'm gonna be honest. I, I'm with you though, Brent. I do. I do bounce around. Street tacos, chimichangas. Like I, I don't know. It's it's hard well, to mess you, up a bunch of cheese. If you, could, if you go anywhere and find Hatch Chili Chicken Enchiladas, order that and get back. Check her out. Like I'm legit in. Hatch. You know, New Mexico right. hatch chilies. It's got to yeah. be those. Mexican Brothers, is that a jail song? <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just saw it. I just saw Why this, and I don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> I actually think both teams get better with that, which is the crazy thing. I also think Quadri Moore's still playing, so I don't know. Um, rapid fire, or we already did that from the BCJ staff who wins a Royal Rumble street fight, and why is it Reagan? I'm not messing with Reagan. I mean, that's I'm not hitting a girl. If you guys want to mess with her, that's on y'all. I'm not, I'm not messing with Reagan. Nah, she's she's got my vote. She's <laughs> Good call, skins. She is funky, and I think she'd fuck Royer up. Um. Fluffer, <laughs> I agree. Fluffer, fluffer for a trailer park girls porn hub video or money shot camera operator at a senior's bukkake. Oh man, Jeez. what in the hell? I don't know what to do with any of that. We're not skipping no. that one. I'm good. <laughs> follow follow up question with with Bally saying they will not be paying the Reds going forward for their broadcast rights as they go into. BK, do you think the BCJ network should start to air the games and how much will it take? $50? It's going to take a lot more than that, but <laughs> well, not it's going to take more than that. I don't know if I a lot more than that, but like if we can get a video feed and the four of us just sit here and watch Reds games every night, I'm down. <laughs> I'm going to be going to a lot of games this year. There you go, there. baby. 10 minute walk. So we could like you could use your phone. Yeah, and just like log into the network and you could you could give play. No, on the other way, it's gonna be on you. Uh, and we'll just, just watch like... the game. Yeah, we'll have the MLB <laughs> feed like in the middle, and then the four of us will uh dissect the game. I'm in. Ready, break. Me too. All right. Um Follow up to the wrestling face heel from last week. Who is your all-time favorite wrestler? What is your all-time favorite gimmick? And if you had to pick an entrance theme every time you walked into a room, what would it be? And why is Asshole by Dennis Leary, Chad's, for full transparency, it's also mine. P.S. As always, thoughts are with Chad Kelly and the whole family in in these trying times. Uh, The Rock is my favorite wrestler of all time. Stone Cold is very close, but the stuff The Rock did where he would just go out in the center of the ring and, like, pull up a stool and just, like, entertain, you know, 25,000 people. Play guitar. Yeah, play the guitar. Like, it didn't, like, he could he could do chill. He could do angry. He could, you know, know your role and shut your mouth. He could do shut up, bitch. And then he could do, like, the honky-tonk hotel. Like uh, the versatility of the rock was unlike anything we've ever seen. Um, do I think he's the biggest star in wrestling history? No, but he was always the guy I looked forward to. Like when you knew 
he was going to be like that. That night was a rock night. You knew it was awesome. I loved it. I'm going to sit this one out because I have never been into wrestling. Don't know anything about it. You you were never like, well, I guess you were, you were a baby when like Stone Cold and the Rock and the Attitude Era. Yeah. I just loved like just like, I guess to put it in a harsh way, real sports. Like I just loved always watching like anything on TV really. So I was always just enamored with that. It transformed from the the nineties into yeah. what it what the iteration is today. You missed Very... the great you missed the golden era, Royer. You yeah. missed it. I yeah, can I mean, tell because like I just see the way nobody. that these guys are received. Like they're like insanely just like celebrities, just all those guys. There's yeah. nobody that would have popped harder for DX than Ryan Royer. For who? <laughs> Generation X. Like, suck it. Like, you didn't do suck it when you were in, like, grade school? I, I might have, but I didn't know who I was referencing. It was Degenerate, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. And, like, it was, it was like the bad boys of, like, wrestling at the time. The NWO with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and just kind of and Hulk Hogan kind of faded. Degeneration X was the new thing. And their big thing was like, I got two words for you. Suck it. <laughs> and like, it caused like a mil, there were probably a million kids in America that got suspended from school. Yeah. Teachers were melting teacher down to suck it. Timmy, are you paying attention? Suck it. <laughs> Go to the principal's office. <laughs> you would have been a DX guy. I like that's Aaron. I say that with more confidence than I've probably ever said anything in my entire life. Oh Ryan Royer would have been a DX guy. <laughs> that's, it wouldn't have been this. Statement. It wouldn't have been this. It Ryan Royer saying <laughs> it would have been that. <laughs> That's, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> uh, theme song. I've already got my theme song. I open it every time I fill in for Mel. International Players Anthem. Love it. All right. All time favorite gimmick? <clears throat> if I'm going to go rock, I, I guess I got to go rock and sock. The rock and Mick Foley was incredibly funny. funny. Like, hilarious. So there you go. You guys, what are your what are your? You Brent, got, you you got anything here? Uh, no, I'm I'm in Ryan's boat on this one. Um, you never watched wrestling either. No, I, you were I, old I enough for the Attitude Era. You know, I just I never got into it. It just was never anything. Brent I, was already dealing with a bookie when he was 13 years old. That's so that's true. It's like all the all the people who watch anime nowadays. Like I can't get into that. I'm I'm not into that. I'm not either. Nope. That has nothing to do with wrestling. These no, but like play- anime cult, it's like that anime like fringe is yeah. kind of like wrestling, whereas like there's no, there was no like fringe, the- Brian. In, oh, in the really? late '90s, early 2000s, it was not fringe. It was as mainstream as anything you will ever find. Okay. Because I the see. stars were so fucking entertaining that you had to watch every week. Yeah. And it's it's a mess yeah. soap opera, like of course, but <laughs> rock, 
Triple H, Nash Hogan, like that whole crew from like late nineties to early two thousands was was worth it. Everything after that, mid. Aaron, I will I will say Stone Cold is probably my favorite. Um, I'd say my favorite gimmick was probably like the corporation versus all of the people, where they yeah. were when fighting Vince came in. Fighting Vince McMahon, fighting Shane McMahon, fighting yeah. Stephanie McMahon. It didn't matter. If you had the McMahon name, you were getting somebody's <laughs> finishing move. Um, if I had to pick an entrance theme every time I walk into a room, I think I'd go with put on for my city. I think that'll be the one. Roy, or what's your entrance music? <laughs> uh, either bodies. Or... <laughs> Or uh, I'm shipping up to Boston. Those are the two. Brent, <laughs> um, man, I'd make it theatrical. Get some, get some Queen. Get some, get some sort of just something. I'm at a point. Sing, everyone can sing along with in the crowd. You know. I'm at a point, Brent. For the longest time, I believed Led Zeppelin was the greatest band, like greatest band in, like rock band in history. Mm -hmm. I think it's Queen. The more I dive into like really like what Queen did and how they produced their music and yeah. like the way that they like like created greatness, I think now Queen is is the greatest rock band in history. There you go. So what are you are you are you yeah. having a good time? Having yeah. a good time. Yeah, something like, having a good time. It's like everyone's singing it as I'm just like walking in, just like, you know, like <laughs> I would not be a good wrestler. He's but. just a little boy. Nobody loves him. He's <laughs> a small boy from a poor family. I can see you walking down to the ring in that. Yeah. Or just entering a room. Forget walking to the ring. He smells like no. I can see you walking into the room to that every time, Brent. Case, because case, everybody's going to react. Disagrees. But no, I you know I think if if it had to be some sort of like a hype song, you, you know that song like like Lil John like I wanna get drunk drunk. <laughs> There's a video of me in San Diego that I just, I'm like, sure there is. Are you riding a cycle? 100, 100 person pregame that just oh it was amazing, it was epic. But <laughs> that's what the mailbag. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It was fun. Um, well, Over. NIT is, is up next. Yeah. That's a basketball game on Wednesday night, 9 p.m. tip off. Don't worry about what's happening an hour north. Worry about what's happening there in Fifth Third Arena. Bearcats take on the Virginia Tech Hokies in round one of the NIT. Um, stay tuned, locked, locked into everything BCJ as, as football is off for spring break, but. I'm sure plenty more news will break early and often. Um, anything else, guys? Before we shut it down, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably be, uh, I'll be around this week, but I need, I need a mental reset. So I'll be around. I'll, I'll, I'll be here for BCJ. I'm sure Aaron and I will get a, a nightcap or two in, but uh, don't expect me on social media. You'll see me on the message boards. You'll see me here. I need, I need to let my brain disconnect for a couple of days. That's is good. what it is. That's good. Okay. 
right. Well, a big thank you, as always, to Danco Transmission and AutoCare. Big shout-out as well to Quick Paper Supply Time stamps that they've been doing. Quick Paper Supply, love you. But uh, for my – oh, and, and also a big thank you as well to, to Chris Arvin from uh, VT Scoop. Feels like that was days ago, but – Hey, it's been a, it's been another fantastic BP for my guys, for my guys, my pals, Aaron Smith, Chad Brennan, and Ryan Royer. I am Brent Young. Yet again, another fantastic BP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya.